Previously on AFTN. Albania is going to be quaking in their boots when we get there for the Nations League. <laughs> <laughs> Did that the wrong way, right? I tried to do my Albanian eagle. <laughs> not, not quite sure if all that ended up as. Honestly, don't know what that was. <laughs> ah, we need video in here. Well, hello again, and welcome everyone to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 298. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And hopefully we are joined on the phone by Richmond Soccer League Division 1, maybe Division 2, whatever division he's in. Leading scorer, I'm sure, with how good he tells me he is, Joe Deasy. Hello. So, good to have you joining us on the phone, Joe. Unfortunately, Zach can't make it to, tonight. He's a, he's away. What, what was it you, you said he was doing, Steve? He's away fighting some football fans in South America or something? No, no, that, that'll come up later in the headlines. Ah, okay. Well we'll, well, we'll get to that in a bit. We have a lot to get through tonight. We're going to talk Whitecaps Sounders, unfortunately. Whitecaps in general, MLS. Going to bring you a couple of interviews. We're going to hear from Ali Gazal, who's going to talk about the Whitecaps season, his own season, and also his time away with Egypt. And we've got, a in part three, 18-minute chat with the commissioner, Don Garber. That's why I'm wearing the villain shirt. Ah, we are also going to have a, a kind of Batman-themed show, because yesterday was Batman Day. Yeah, it was. Mm. So, just before we get into it, if, who, who, let's see who everyone's favourite superhero is. Let, let's start with Joe. Oh, God, it's putting me on the spot. Um, That's what Michael likes to do, put people on the spot. Yeah. I guess uh, Iron Man's pretty cool. Iron Man. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's which is the opposite, uh, the Marvel version of Batman. Yeah, well, I know who yeah. Iron Man is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, um, I'm just saying he's kind of the because because same billionaire type likes his oh, likes okay. his scientific stuff. I I have always liked Batman, yeah. but if we're looking for a villain, I I my villain Joker does oh, it for me. I oh, the, yeah, still character. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to be the Invisible Man. Okay. But that, that's just for... A lot of people would be concerned about that. Yeah, I would be visiting the iZombie set a lot. And we're, we might come to that later on the show. 
I but, think the Joker is the most intriguing. He oh, is. for sure. Yes. Especially recently, too. And yeah. he has better hair. Well, certainly better hair than me, anyway. Green hair, yeah. Yeah. I would go down well, I guess, with some Sounders fans. I'm sure <laughs> there's a few of them that had green hair in the crowd yesterday. We're going to do part one, talking about the Whitecaps and the Sounders. Obviously, it was a, a massive loss for Vancouver. After the match, Robbo said that he felt the Whitecaps deserved to win. Brian Schmitzer said he felt Seattle deserved to win. What, what say you guys? Like Joe, did, did the Caps deserve something from that game? Were they unlucky not to at least get a point? Um, there's two questions there. I think they didn't deserve to win because they didn't win, if that makes sense. Um, the pressure was definitely there at certain key points of the game. But it's just the same problems that we keep going back to with this team. Um, so do they deserve to win? No, because they don't have a habit of, of um, you know, taking advantage of these chances. Yeah, Russell Tybert was, was good after the match. He spoke to, to us in, in the media and also spoke on the radio as well and basically said, it's fine saying that we played well and we had all those chances. If we don't take them, it, it counts for nothing. And it, it basically does. You can say whether they deserve to win or not, but ultimately, if you don't score, you you don't deserve to win. And, yeah, and he was definitely being real. He was definitely being yeah, authentic. And, uh, I mean, that is what it, what it really boils down to. If you are looking at chances created and all that kind of stuff, yeah, we, we put up a good show. Yeah. It was an entertaining match. We certainly had our chances, but... The, but Seattle took care of the chances yeah. they, they needed Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into what maybe led to, to not getting anything from the game, but we're, we're going to break down the game. First of all, we're looking at the goals, and then we're going to do our kind of good, bad, and ugly thing that we, we did the last game, because I like the way how that panned out. So let's just start by looking at the three goals. Now, the first one for Seattle, lovely seven or eight passing move from a free kick in their own half, moved the ball about really well, and it culminated in a really good finish from... Rui Diaz in the in the twenty first minute. Now, neither Henry nor Waston picked him up, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel Henry was more at fault. I disagree with you. That. Disagree, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, I, I felt like Henry was there to uh, intercept, uh, like got ahead of in front of Rio Diaz. I think Waston was be, behind him. I thought Waston should have picked up his run and gotten to the ball. Austin did almost get to the ball. He almost closed down the shot, but Rudy has got there a little bit before he did. Um, I, I really don't know who to blame. I think you can blame them both a little bit. I kind of know what Henry was thinking. Um, like when, you're, when two defenders are defending across and they're supposed to be working together, you don't defend the same lane. You spread out and you each defend a, a possible you know, cross that from a certain angle. Um, but if you're going to do that, you have to make sure you're you're, you know who's there, know where the threats are, know who's behind you. And they didn't do that. So I, I think you can put blame on both of them equally. But then also the lead up too, you, uh, you got Leardham who made that run. He's, he's, a, you know, yeah. he's a fullback. You should have Davies possibly there too. Yeah. He yeah. should have tracked they, that they run as well. They did move the ball about really quickly and really well though. I mean, should Marinovic have, have done better? Should he have come out a little bit quicker? Was a little bit, really yeah. Much he could have done. I, th- I, I don't think uh, for maybe he just had tunnel vision on on the sh- on the cross. I don't think he expected Rio Diaz to be get there. So I don't and know. The maybe cross th- came in very quickly as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean he risked getting a, a boot to the head. I think probably if he did come out, but mm-hmm. 
the me, second goal definitely no no d- doubting on whose fault that is. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, uh, it was a horrible no look back pass from Brett Levi's, and whether he just under hit it, whether he thought there was a man there, did he hear a shout and try to play it back to to Henry? I I don't know, but it was a nice little step over by Rui Diaz. Kind of committed Marinovic to the tackle. And then he just easily went round him. He's not going to get too many easier finishes than that. I no. think that's five ga- goals in five games now for the little Peruvian. It was a horrible goal, Joe. Yeah, as someone who's made that kind of a back pass several times, I I think uh, it was definitely just an under-hiss um, pass by by Levi's there. Um, like... Y- it really is hard to find anyone else to blame, and it, it, it's with a heavy heart that I say that because he's had such a good season. He's been one of the few positives in this, uh, like, strangely inconsistent season. But hopefully, it's just a learning experience for him because he really didn't look back at all. He just he assumed, and that's a dangerous yeah. thing at professional level. He looked so gutted afterwards, and then Waston watching the game back this morning. Waston basically goes over to him, just like, "Come on, just get on with it." Yeah, mm-hmm. which um, a captain should do. But Marinovic on both both the goals, but especially that second one, he just looked so pissed oh, off. Yeah, just there's not really much because he got to they got to the magical two goals at that point. Yeah, although I did ask Kendo after the game about letting two goals in again, and that did not go down very well with yeah. him. <laughs> um, not at all. It was at the end of the interview after that. Really, basically said, "Oh yes, yes, yes." It's, it's all. It's always the defence. It's a. It's a team thing, and he is right. No, he is right there. But yeah. but t- it, yesterday, it, yesterday, yesterday, it was, it was more towards the yeah. the back line. That the, but it, he raises an interesting point. Um, like we we are a team that ships a lot of goals, but do we lay the blame more at the feet of the defenders or? The lack of a functional midfield to that's what I, that's what my that's what yeah. my argument's been for a long time. The the midfield causes a lot of this goal. I think that there's a lot of fault to go around. Sadly, yeah, I think if you look at it on paper, we have a quite defensive midfield pairing. Now, now our our starting pairing is Gazelle yeah. and Tybert. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the wingers aren't doing their job or something wrong with the structure of the team. That means, particularly from wide positions, we really are vulnerable to attacks and things like that. I mean, that, that goal came in the 42nd minute and it it was looking bleak, yep. very, very bleak. And yet you thought if we can somehow get something before half time, we might be in with a shout. And they I, did. Yeah, I, I didn't fancy that we would, but Kai Kamara, a great header. And he was really good in the air all all game yesterday. But for that one in particular, Rose superbly, Rose McIver superbly. You might even want to say. I have but, a feeling you put that in there just for the mention. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, not enough. And the headmaster couldn't get the better of the geography teacher, and that was the only only Whitecaps goal. But it, it was a it was a well taken goal. It was twelfth of the season. I'm just showing what what he means to this team. He had a chance right before that as well, right? Like he, that was he the one that Alonso Alonso cleared yeah. off the line. Yeah, yeah. I, for the goal, I think I only watched it once or twice, but he took Alonso or someone out with his hip. That's how high he jumped. Yeah. Um, there was someone in the heap on the floor. There was, it was and, Alonso. Yeah. Which, yeah, he deserved you know, it. <laughs> makes it all the more sweet, really. <laughs> it's like the, he should get two goals just for that. But yeah, we, we're so reliant on him, especially the way that we play. And um, I'd like, I think set pieces, we expected us our team to be better at that this year. But it's only come out in glimpses, really. 
Yeah, and a lot of that you have to feel comes down to the the delivery or, or the lack of mm-hmm. it. And we, I mean, we obviously missed Reina yesterday. That there were some good elements, there were some bad elements, and there are some just downright ugly elements from the game. If we start with the positives, look at some of the good. The fight back was. I don't know if I would say stirring, but it was good. It was strong. They dug themselves into a hole, and we've seen Whitecaps teams in the past let their heads go down. This team didn't, and they battled back, and it felt like they had belief and hunger, and they knew exactly what they were needing to do to get back into the game. Ultimately, they didn't do it, but at least it was good to see that, Joe. Yeah, um, Actually, I've waited ten minutes, and I'm finally going to bring up my Richmond soccer league game today. We were in a we were in a very similar situation. We were down three one. We battled back to three three, and then a uh, questionable penalty, shall we say, made made us made a four three to the opposition. But like my point is that when when that happens, th- like that fight that you go through, even though the result in the end wasn't favourable, I wouldn't be surprised if in that dressing room there's kind of a defiant vibe because of the manner of which the, the defeat happened. I, I think there there always is a bit of a defiant vibe, though, because Robo likes to play this, we are the underdogs against the world, we don't get respect, we don't get the, mm-hmm. the publicity and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I, yeah, I agree. I think they can take a lot from it. And we've got to admit, they were playing the most informed team in all of MLS just now, who... Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised at this moment in time if they don't make the MLS Cup from the West because that's they're riding their luck. They're not playing brilliantly, but they're getting the results. So we hung in far better in this game than we did in the one back in July, which oh, kickstarted sure. Seattle. I, I I kind of I kind of agree that I thought they were the better team. Vancouver was yeah. Um, Seattle uh, offered little really. Yeah, they were, I think I felt like Seattle was just sitting back and waiting for Vancouver to make mistakes, and they pounced on those two mistakes when it happened. Yeah, well, we created a lot of chances. Twenty-one yeah. shots to seven. Five on target. Yeah, but Seattle had five from seven from on target. From seven targets, well. that's so the difference. That just shows the waste. But we're, we're concentrating on the good yes, for yeah, now. Yeah. We had the better of the possession. Yeah. We did force Seattle onto the back foot and we weren't threatened. So, I mean, that's all positives. Looking at some of the bad stuff, I don't like playing the bad luck card because you kind of make your own luck and Schmitz kind of said that after the match as well. But Kamara did hit the post after doing such a good job. Had the ball cleared off the line. Teixeira nearly tied it up at 2-2, but for, I think it was a save from Fry that... that put it back for a deflection anyway not bad luck though was Mosquito's miss that was just pure bad for me going back to our fine lines moment of change of the match that that was it we take the lead in the 11th minute whole different ball game yeah and you, you force them to open yeah. up, they make mistakes possibly and then you could counter and yeah. score even more I mean you can't defend that miss Joe it was shocking yeah and it showed the difference between Mosquito and Reina I think the outcome would have been completely different yeah. if it was Reina, and like it's it really is just that simple. Uh, Reina is someone who is more efficient than Mosquito. Yeah, and like, the thing is, I I agree with probably Mosquito playing. I know Steve's got some thoughts on that. We'll come to that in a sec. But he kind of seemed in form. He'd got a couple of goals in his last couple of matches, and I thought he could do that role well, but. You're looking at clinical finishers. And yes, Seattle spent money. They've brought in the Peruvian Messi. I, I'm not sure what tag we can we can give Mosquito, the Uruguayan Jarju. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's not that bad. 
The Uruguayan mosquito. <laughs> yes, let's go with that then. But I mean, y- you need guys. He got into so many good positions. I mean, that wasn't his only wasted opportunity. He got into the positions, and that's what you want him to do. Yeah, there was but that you need one a guy that's going to finish it. There was a one shot in the second half where he was from a. It was from a tight angle, kind of a uh, from one mm. side, and he, he he. It was a bullet of a shot, laser beam of a shot, but it just went over the bar. So he had definitely had enough chances to make a difference in this game. I mean, it's certainly the terms of quality, and I, I thought he was a good player to, to play in there, Joe. Did, did you think he was the right option? Taking away how it panned out, did did you think that he was the, the guy that should have been in there? Well, I I think it came down to Mesquita or Felipe. Like those were the two people you think could play that number ten role. I think it would have been easy. It would have been um, interesting to try Davies there, but you know maybe that's this wasn't a game to experiment. Um, I, if I before the game, I definitely would have gone for Mesquita. Uh, Felipe just it doesn't seem like it's really been clicking with him, and um, like you said, Michael, go with the player who's in form, and just you know we're missing Reina. Just make the best out of it, and uh, yeah didn't really the gamble didn't really work out in the end I wish they kind of would have gambled I wanted I, I, I think I said it last week too on the show that yeah. uh, that I thought Davies was the right person to put there he's got a ton of chemistry with Kamara it would have been something Seattle wasn't expecting I'm sure they wouldn't be expecting that um, and you would have been able to get some different options on the wings uh, Davies down the middle I, I felt like yesterday he was kind of missing. He wasn't. Got, they couldn't get in the game. He was kicked to hell. Yeah, I mean that was. Yeah. that was part there, of. There it. was a number of times he got made a break, but he, there was it was just something lacking. I think maybe playing in the middle, uh, he could have pushed right down their throats instead of going down the sides and everything like that. And maybe you put Brexhay in from the beginning of the match, and Ooh, maybe he. No, no. Well, I know he <laughs> he doesn't come off. It didn't come off as a sub, but uh, maybe he would have gotten some kind of boost at being a starter or something like that. I don't, I don't know, know if you saw Russell Beresford's tweet that there was a guy. When he was bringing Shea on, was kept going, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, and no. was looking at him, and yeah. then he goes down the front, and then security escorted him away. Yeah. If we're talking about bad, Shea was bad when he came on. Yeah, he, he just was. seemed to have no idea what he was meant to be doing, and just. And then he, uh, when, when, when they had um, set pieces, he wasn't going into the box. Like, I, I'm sure they probably told him. Like maybe they have a set that fullbacks don't go into the box. You cover the, they, but why not put a six foot two, six foot three yeah. guy an additional height in the box and put Davies as coming when, back? When they were bringing him on, I thought, are we going to see him at left back or are they going to pull Davies at left back? And I, I've been complimentary of what she's done at left back in some of the games this year. He just, he, he just did not seem to have any idea, Joe, as to what what he was meant, what the game plan was for him. Yeah, we've seen him lost. So many times when I saw him coming on, I thought um, Robbo was going to put him as a striker and go to a two striker mm. formation to push for the goal. But yeah, he he didn't him he didn't look very good. Um, Davies, to go back to that, didn't have a great game either. Uh, the I was looking at whoscored.com and they said that he completed no dribbles. And oh. for for someone who's like leading the league or something in dribbles, that wasn't um, wasn't good. And but to be fair, he was being kicked out of the game yeah I mean he's going to get that in, in all the games for the rest of the year now folk know that if you kind of neutralise him you've taken I, I don't want to say the only attacking threat because he's not because Kamara and Reina have been excellent with Teixeira's backup but you're taking a massive piece of the Whitecaps armoury out of the game the plan yesterday was from like listening to a little bit of what Robo was saying at training on Friday he wanted his full backs to get high forward 
and try and take the middle of the park outfit and to attack on the wings. And Nerwinski was getting forward a lot in that first half in particular, but his delivery was really, really bad, I thought. The worst I've seen, his delivery. Um, usually very consistent with his right foot, like sending the ball in. And the fact that Levi's didn't have a good game either means that that game plan basically went down the toilet yeah. very yeah. quickly. And I think that I think they had to rely too much on going down the middle, and that's where they lost the ball all the time. I mean, that, like. that's... Um, Joe and Nick talked about it in the preview show. That's where Seattle are strongest. Yeah. And you, you had to win the battle in the middle, and, and we, we didn't. Remember a couple of times uh, we saw that Davies was not even defensively, when they were playing defensively, he was playing more to the middle, uh, covering Ladero. Yeah. And so I think maybe, and maybe because he was playing defensively, he wasn't able to break out a wide because he was so far mm. in. Mm-hmm. If we get to the ugly part of the match now, decision-making by the Whitecaps, in and around the box. It frustrated me the whole afternoon. I asked Robbo about it afterwards, and we'll we'll hear that. Tybert commented on it as well. There's too many times, we've seen it all season, but I mean, yesterday was kind of like it in a nutshell. Misplaced passes, wrong decisions made, just a poor shot, holding on to the ball far too long. And yeah, the 21 shots to seven, Six of those were blocked. So, I mean, that's someone trying to take a shot when it's not the best option yep. for them. We're just far too wasteful. Teixeira, Mosquita, worst culprits for, for me. Teixeira, there was one incident in the second half that just, oh, I was so mad at him. But he was in the box, and then he turned one way, turned the other, then he yeah, decided to go that. back again when there's a man open to play a past it. I think it was... And then the uh, chance just fell... I think it was Kamara. Or some it might even Davies. have been Davies. That I can't was remember. Wide but open, somebody but was on was the... wide open, but he just wanted to take another turn. Yeah, on the far post. And Fonzie's another one though. He holds on to the ball far too long, and we saw a few times just that he got dispossessed quite easily. Yeah. Were you as frustrated as I was watching that, Joe? Yeah, I I would actually expand on that time frame that you mentioned about this season. It's kind of been, I think, for most of. Robbo's tenure, he's relied on the creativity of the individuals rather than, but this might be just me saying this, but it's purely a guess, Rather, he's relying on the creativity of the individual attackers rather than things that they go over in training or, you know, set uh, sequences that they make, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, if the players are in a dry spell creatively or don't have the creativity to break down a very solid backline, then you're kind of, you're left throwing stones at the wall, you know. Yeah, it's... I mean, Robo gets a lot of stick. And, yeah, there's there's good reasons to blame him for some of the stuff that's happened this year. But ultimately, he's picking what yesterday was the best team I I feel he could have put out there. For sure. And he's, he's said it after the match. It's like he can't put the ball in the net for them. He can't tell them not to to play a stupid ball across the top of the box. It's like you have to trust the players to to play and yeah folk someone was tweeting about uh, get Bobby out someone had a sign yesterday get Bobby out getting Leonard Doozy out is not going to make this team better at this moment at this moment in no. time I, I, I just don't see the hang up on that I don't know what what they think oh getting rid of Bobby all of a sudden we're going to release what 20 million dollars to yeah. bring new players in, in in the long run it might but Zach would agree it would help yeah but not in the short I, term I don't think Bobby's earning 20 million though no but I mean Robo as well I mean, how do you feel on that, Joe? He's putting the players out. 
it surely has to be them once they're on the pitch. Yeah, I'm sympathetic to a degree, but the, you have to look at the results. You know, there's coaches in this league who have similar resources to you that are performing a lot better. Um, and you you have to, like there has to be a level of accountability. I agree. Like you know, the Levi's goal, you can't put that down to to Robbo. And there's been so many just like the red card thing in particular this season. Like Robbo is not the one out there doing stupid yeah. punches and things like that. But at the same time, there's other elements to this team that you think could do with a refresh or and and it's just the nature of the game. Like how I was thinking the other day, how many managers can you think of who have seen out their contract at a club and I'm not talking about like MLS and things like that but like in, in the Premier League or things like like in the last 10 years maybe the two like the Arsenal and Manchester United manager who retired it's just the nature of this business that you are hired until you are useful to the team mm. and then unfortunately it's a cynical business and as you always say Michael a results driven business well, I mean it, um, it's totally is and Robbo's from that background and culture as well he understands that mm-hmm. have, have you noticed in a lot of interviews recently though like he's never wanted to blame the players but he has kind of turned it around and basically said oh once they're on the pitch it's not me yeah, it's exactly. them and so he is kind of washing his hands a little bit he's, from that. It's like he's maybe it, reached that point himself. No, it seems like he wants to he wants to put both narratives on the on like out there hmm. that it's he doesn't want to blame the players but want to stay positive. But once they're on the pitch, there that's what yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. So he's kind of blaming them but not blaming because he's saying I doesn't want to blame them but he blames them in in a but, way. He's he's kind of really uh, staying on that fine line of blaming them or not blaming them. A fine line. Uh, if you think of the nature of the coverage of the Whitecaps in Vancouver, would you be surprised if, I don't know, 50% of the squad have no idea what's said in an interview? Maybe. Yeah, like, I, I'm i just trying, I don't know, I'm try, I'm just putting it out there, but, you know, maybe Robbo's saying these things and they have very little implication to the oh, yeah, squad harmony. Yeah, I, I think some players do watch everything. Some just don't read or listen to anything. So, yeah, good point. We haven't won against Seattle in the last seven games. Yes. Um, are they starting to own us, or is it just Robbo doesn't on feel the mantelpiece? Like we can... I'm not 100 percent sure. Or, 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 or does Robbo just feel like we can't beat them with the with the players they have? I don't know. He, keep, he keeps talking <laughs> up about their quality and how good a team they are, which always annoys me. Just it's like making excuses before for the match. But I, I'm I'm just sick that rivals come here in big matches. And we never rise to the occasion and get the job done. And I talked to Rob, and we'll hear that in part two, about getting the job done, especially when other teams have done you a massive favour, as happened yesterday. His reply was, well, we've got 14 points out of the last 18, so we have got the job done then, but it's getting the job done when it really matters. And it's against rivals that, time and time again, these last few years under him, we just cannot seem to get a result in these big matches. And as a fan... I like I've come to dread these games because I have hopes about how the team will play and I can't think of how many times I've been disappointed like by the level of performance. Um I don't know what the cause of that is. I in the preview show we talked about comparing the mentality of the two teams and how um Seattle to Nick and I seemed like a team who rise to occasions and get the job done and you can't say that about the Whitecaps. No, definitely not. Anyway, we'll be back with a little bit more chat about the match and hear from both head coaches 
after this. Hello, it's Kai Kumar, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. trumpet there. I, I've picked all the music for this week's show, so just to warn everyone in advance now, it's going to be quite a loud, angry su- musical I suggested show. one. You did, you did suggest one, but it was a thrash metal song. As yeah, well, exactly so. That so. <laughs> just adds into to what we've got coming up. Anyway, welcome back. Thank you for jo- joining us tonight. You are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Now, I'm just going to talk a few more things about this game before the coach's audio, then we're going to let, let Joe go. But first of all, my weekly rant. There was over $2.5 million in salary sitting on the Whitecaps bench yesterday. That's not even covering the likes of Blondell and Reyna and De Jong who weren't dressed from either form or injury or suspension. Yeah. But $2.5 million on the bench. Folk are saying afterwards, Mark Weaver was one of them, about the difference in spending. We are spending money. We are, as I keep saying, week after week, still, still we're not just as, spending it very, very poorly. Still not as much as the no, higher levels, but, but we enough. are spending money. We're, we're spending probably just as just enough to, you know, as what FC Dallas would spend. But we're spending it on bench warmers. Exactly, as well. the Red Bulls spend probably similar amounts. They they really like cut their salaries down. How how much are Columbus? we going to see Felipe, Juarez, Shea, and Blondell going into? The, the end of the season. Very little, unless there's an injury. Yeah, I mean, it's a waste of money, Joe. Yeah, um, it would be interesting to see a graph of uh, the, we'll call it bench money, I guess, uh, like through time. Like it's definitely gone up because I can't think of so many like high salary players been on the bench. Um, it, it would be very inter- interesting to see, I think. But yeah, unacceptable. I I know it's a it's a weekly fixture at this point where we where we point this out, but. Um, how have we gotten into this situation? It's just laughable. Well, I know. In, oh, yeah, I, I I know. One time when there was a lot of money on the bench, that was 2011, when um, at the end of the year they were playing all the young players and guys like Castley and it wasn't nearly as much as right now, but guys like Castley and Cumiento they weren't playing because they were putting all the young guys yeah. on. The and team. I mean, these guys weren't obviously brought in to be bench players. No. It's just turned out that they've not yep. been fantastic and they've ended up as bench players. Yep, Although Shea was always going to be a bench player. It seems yeah. like it for for the back, but one bench player who it, you know, somewhat high, obviously being paid a lot by his uh, his club that he signed with, but not as much by us, I think. Jordan Much, yeah, it was good to see him back. Yeah, he's back. Um, I was concerned just because the BC Place pitch and him don't seem to agree. But he no. got through. He got through the end of the match, and I mean, c- could he be an important part for us, Joe? Now in in these remaining six games, I have loved watching Jordan much like in the limited time that he's he's been on the field um technique he he has like a i don't know an underrated kind of strength and technique that's um chance that he kind of a half chance i should say like he the ball was behind him he tried to flick it on with his 
with the, with the back with his back heel to try and get into the goal. Like he's a creative player uh, who can also do a job defensively. Who's aware? Like you would think that he would be, you know, a perfect fit for any Robo system. But that midfield has been an enigma all season. So it's let's not get into that. But I, you know, if much signed with the team next season, I would be a very happy person. Yeah, he he reads the game better than most of the players on the squad. Oh, for sure, yeah. and, but then the problem with that is you had that with Kenny Miller. He read the game so well, but nobody was on the same wavelength as him, so he was yeah. playing passes all over the place and no one was making the runs for him. I remember you see that you saw that in training a lot too. Yes. It's very frustrating. So last thing and then we'll we'll let Joe rest up after his, his football antics. Join his loved ones. Yeah. Or or join yeah. his loved ones, yeah. Where do we go from here? It's cliched to say it's six cup finals, but I mean it is. There's no room for error now. Yeah, you have to approach every game as the Caps tried to approach this one, I think. Um, You have to play your best players in the best positions uh, up until the point where, you know, I don't want to say mathematically it's not possible to make the playoffs, but I think there will come a point if things go the way we think they will go, that there will be time to experiment or, you know, give some players minutes and start planning for, for next season, unfortunately. Now, yeah. now, for me, it's it's two games are, you can give away two games. Obviously, the TFC away game is going to be hard to win uh, because you're traveling out there and they're going to be desperate for points. Um, I think the, the away game to LAFC is going to be tough, but... They're going to have to go in and win all their home games now. Yeah. Totally. And they are going to have to try and get something out of the LA Galaxy game. That's Which they could do. Yeah, it's because Galaxy are just like, as long as they can shut down the Galaxy, because uh, attacking them seems very easy for everybody. <laughs> everybody is yeah, able to score they, on the they Galaxy. Do, but they do score as well. And we, but if we, that's we, what I'm saying. They leak like a sieve. We're kind of similar that yeah. way. So whoever is the that missing... That could be a the, 6-5 game. That could be fantastic exactly. stuff. Um, Waston versus Latan is going to be tasty. Oh yeah, no. I, I'd like to go down for it, but it just seems like a waste because yeah. you're spending all that money for something that's probably meaningless. Uh, that's the only, you, chan- you, it's the only chance. It's the only chance you're going to see Latan either too, as well. Mm. If you're going to see yeah. him play against the Whitecaps, if you pay for a ticket, you're also paying for that terrible LA Galaxy defense. So maybe you should go down and try and support it. It's also a terrible place to get. To. I've been there once, but that was to watch Chivas. And yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, that that's a tough place to get to. Uh, one th- just last thing just to, to kind of mention if we look in the worst case scenario yeah. and the season is done and we've got some games to go I like what Joe said about Blood and Youngsters planning for next year the problem you have though you loan some of them out now well not that <laughs> but the problem is you've got then a lame duck as your manager who's not going to be back next year how much preparation can you properly do for next year because Robbo likes to think a couple of transfer windows ahead so have the club been doing the necessary thinking ahead or is a new coach going to come in in November and have a big, big task ahead of them? Well, the, I, I feel like the new coach is going to come, if there is a new coach, um, uh, he's going to come in. He is going to be behind, behind the eight ball in trying to get players in right away, especially if there is a mass exodus of players, Robo guys that don't want to play for a new coach, don't want to play in Vancouver anymore. There's going to be a max. If there's a mass exodus for that, they're going to they're going to he's going to have to come in quickly to to revamp the team. But I think because you have a new coach with new ideas, that you're going to get that immediate bump that a lot of teams get with new coaches. It's a matter of by the summertime bringing in all the players and filling out your roster. 
will that be enough time to get everybody on the board and not worry about the you know the excitement of a new coach? Yeah, I, I agree with that absolutely. But as far as this organization, if uh, if there will be a coaching change and all that, there's th- three things just off the top of my head that I can think of that um, they can do to prepare for next season. Uh, the first one is try and figure out what Anthony Blundell's role in this team is. Um, I don't know what it, it could be a run of games. It could be trying him in you know a different spot. Like when he came in first, we heard that he can play right wing. Like why not give him a game there? What what's mm. the worst that could happen? Um, the second thing is prepare for life after Alfonso Davies because yes. he's going to be missed and he won't be here next season. There's no way we're going to replace him with a like-for-like player. But there's also no way that they're not going to play him because that's what sells them their tickets. That's true. That's very true. Um, and the third and final thing is figure out what this what the back, back line is going to be next season. So um, I think it's already pretty much intact with um, Nerwinski, Watson and Levi's probably, but that other centre-back has kind of been a question. You know, Henry has been okay, hasn't entirely convinced. Maybe you tell them whoever between Mond and Henry, whoever plays better in the remainder of the season is going to be the de facto starter next year. Hmm. Well, thank you as always for joining us, Joe. Uh, have you got a preview show planned for this week? Yeah, we will. Um, Nick and I and hopefully Gideon will be back and uh, more fun games for sure. Awesome. That's no. going to mean that it's episode 300 next Sunday, so for that'll sure. be a biggie. Yeah. Now, Joe, before you go, um, we will. I want to get your opinion. Would you rather be uh, gouged in the eye or spit in the mouth? Oh, God. Um, and we're talking on the football pitch. What happens between you and your wife in the bedroom <laughs> remains in the sanctity of the bedroom. Yeah, we're talking about just, and we'll talk about this later in headlines, but I wanted to get your opinion. What would you rather uh, have? What's worse? That is such a tough question. I'm going to go that in the mouth. That's, uh, the, Do- that's uh, the Douglas Costa thing, right? See, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. it actually go into your man's mouth? Or that's, it- what it, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give my thoughts in the headlines, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Joe. Give him a follow online at Cheesy DZ. No, no, he's not. He's at Joe DZ Van. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These people that keep changing their Twitter handle, it's confusing. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, guys. Bye. So now it's time to, to hear a little bit from both head coaches. So we're going to hear first from Brian Smetzer and then from Robo. What I thought of the match was that it was a playoff atmosphere match, that there was two teams that were desperate for a win. Uh, I think Vancouver, you know, had some chances. We're living dangerously. They had some chances at the end where they could have tied it up. Uh, So that's a good team. So I thought we were, you know, deserved winners. But at the end of the day, they 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 came out and took it to us in in certain parts of the match. So, all in all, it was a you know it was an exciting you know Cascadia clash. Up two nil, Kamara makes it two one in stoppage time, and they had a bit of the flow there. What was the adjustments? What was the thought process at halftime? Try not to give away as many corner kicks. It's as simple as that. Just be a little bit more uh, careful. I would say, or making sure our clearances were up the field instead of out of bounds. Uh, they're obviously a very dangerous team with Kamara and Waston and Gazal and, and, and all the guys that they have. Um, so, you know, it was a quality goal. I mean, you saw Kamara, you know, get up over Steph even on one play. 
you know, which he didn't score on, but he jumped higher than Steph, so, you know, credit to him. They seem to be going direct to him. He seemed to be winning some head balls in the first half and not as many in the second. Yeah, that's their style of play. We needed to actually do a better job. Look, if he's going to win some balls, you know, the space right in front of him, we needed to clean that up a little bit, pinching our wide guys in, making sure Ozzy and Gustav weren't pulled too high up the field. Uh, I think that was the source of some of their attacks. So on that, we made a couple of adjustments at halftime and tried to figure that figure that out. As you said, I mean, Vancouver had plenty of chances, but Raul just kind of gets a couple looks. And is that the difference that having an elite-level finisher can provide that it only takes a couple looks to kind of decide a game like well, that? I would say Kamara's an elite-level finisher in his career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have, they have those guys. Maybe it's just their night. Maybe it's our luck. I mean, I think teams always make their luck. I think Steph had to make a couple of big saves. You know, the defenders were laying themselves out to block shots. So we're making our own luck, but you know, again, tonight I thought we were fortunate in a couple moments. Do you think that your team has played with more confidence going forward since Raul's gotten here, of giving you guys that sort of finishing touch that he's you know, provided? I'm going to cut you off. Sorry, Matt. Uh, it's a team sport. Um, when Will was here, when Clint was here, they had confidence. This group is a very confident group. That's the answer to, to your question. The entire team is confident. You're looking at a bunch of guys that came into a hostile environment and played a very tough team and they had the confidence to try and play out of the back even when you know second half when they were putting us under pressure uh, nobody was afraid to demand the ball in hard areas of the field I thought Ozzy again was great you know Victor came on the field and, <clears throat> and did a nice job of establishing some possession which really helped us I mean that whole team is confident in there. Team got in a, a bit of a hole early on and then start to come back we just didn't have enough to get over the line is that kind of you maybe saw it? No, I think sometimes in football you don't get what you deserve. I thought that's what I saw today. I thought we were the better team. You know, I'm not avoiding the fact Seattle have got fantastic players in key areas and, and they punished us with two mistakes of ours early on. Yes, then we got ourselves in a hole, but we should have been ahead prior to that. We should have got back into the game, uh, but the boys kept going. The character was unbelievable uh, and I don't think we got anything out of the game. The, in fact, let me say... We should have won that game today and we've lost it and we have to accept it and we will. It's not, it's not great, it's not ideal, it's disappointing against a rival, but I can't ask him to do anything more other than put the ball in the back of the net myself and maybe not play square balls all across the edge of the box, but you know, we stick together. Some of the decision making tonight, possibly in the attacks, did leave a lot to be desired. It did, yeah. Yeah, listen, the games are won in both boxes. That's why the boys at the top are paid the big bucks. You know, you hear that all the time. And we got into some wonderful areas and our final pass was overhit or underhit or we made the wrong decision. And that's what happens. Doesn't matter how much possession you have in the world, it's what you do in the both boxes. And in the first 20 minutes, we didn't do our details correctly. We lost our runner uh, in the first goal and it was a pullback. And then the second goal, we played a square ball to a, to a top, top forward and he scored. So we dug ourselves a hole last time we played Seattle and we done it again. This time we were unable to get out. I know you always like to take the belief it's like what you do and you don't yep. want to look at what others do. Other results today though really yep. went in your favour, I don't know if you've seen them yet no. or not, but this was a big opportunity to, to seize the moment. At some stage the team needs to, to get the job done. Yep. I know it's a bit of a cliche to say it's like six cup finals, but yep. is that basically what stage we're at now? Well prior to this game we took 14 out of 18 points, uh, so the team was getting the job done. If I asked the team to play it a certain way, they, they did today. 
Um, but we, did, we weren't clean enough in both boxes. Um, so they didn't get the job today, today done based upon points. Performance-wise, they're excellent. And I won't fault the performance. What you can fault me on is not getting any points today. And that's where I'll give Seattle credit, because they know, find a way to win. That's what I keep getting told. And credit to them, they've done that. What's your message going to be to the team then for these last six games? Play like that. If we play like that, we'll be fine. Said we've got a couple of home games, a couple of away games. Results, as you said, went for us in a certain way. But we control, you know, we, we can control what we control. And those are our games. I don't really care about other teams. I really don't. If we get our job done and we get enough points to get in the playoffs, then we deserve to be there. If we don't, we don't. That's all I can control. The gaffer's there. Steve, quite amused by the word head balls. Yeah, I was surprised by that. <laughs> caught me off guard. But yeah, both coaches feeling that they, they should have won the game. And something which cropped up in Schmetzer's one, but not in Robbo's, was Ozzy Alonso's, I was going to say Alfonso's, but it was on Alfonso, Ozzy Alonso's VAR review that ended yeah. up with him getting a yellow card. Now... I didn't think much of it at the time. Watched the replay, thought, oh, he does kind of go through in his ankle. But watching it back today, I, I don't know, I don't even really think it was, was a yellow card. It was just a such a weird decision because I didn't think you were meant to use VARs to then give out a yellow card. No, well, that's where it's not because the, what it is, the VAR official has deemed that to be a red card. That's in the VAR official's mind. He thinks that's a red card because I know you didn't think it was that mm. bad, but... That the the cleats are basically going down, downward, like there's that's not a, a football move. He's not trying to kick the ball away. He's not trying to. He's basically stamping on his ankle. Yeah. So that isn't that's a red card worthy. Um, he went to do it, and I think you and somebody else uh, sitting near us said, that "Oh, was that's Ma- a red Manuel Veth. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then, but I, I I said no way. He's giving a red card. Even if it is red card worthy, he's not giving. Yeah, you said he was going to like crap out me. Yeah, I called him. I I said he was going to. He's too chicken shit to give the call. I just did not think it was a red card, and I thought it was based on other. Was worthy, but I don't think I didn't think you could give a yellow from a VAR review. Because I know Simon Borg's not on there anymore, but I still watch instant replay, and I've seen a number of those kind of plays given red cards. Mm. Oh, and those and. The people that uh, are on that show, uh, they always say that's a red card because it's stamping down on somebody's Mm. ankle. Now, there was a couple of substitutions, obviously, in the second half to try and get some of the attack going. That meant taking Ali Ghazal off. Now, I thought he played really well yeah, yesterday, though. I mean, it looks like Ghazal and Tiber, we touched upon it in part one, it yeah. looks like that's our DM-CM pairing, however you want to class them, whatever formation we play, going forward. But it doesn't really mean that we have a big attacking threat from no. them, which is why Gazal was, was then taken off early yesterday, despite not doing anything bad. But I think the pair of them are looking really good together out there. Yeah, because the thing is, if if it's usually, if the other team's attacking, usually it's Gazal playing deeper um, in a defensive role. But then when they want to build the attack from the outside, it's Tiber drops back to try to build the ball up forward. So it's a good partnership where they're able to uh, swap out roles when they need to. Yeah, and I got a good chat with Ali Ghazal at training on Friday, so we're going to bring that for you now. Just talking about his season, the Whitecaps season, and getting back in playing with the Egyptian national team after four years away. Really enjoyed this one, so we'll bring that for you now. 
So, Ali, just back from, from being over, playing for Egypt again for the first time in four years. When did you know that you were back, kind of on the radar of getting called back into the national team again? Uh, when, obviously, when they changed the coach, <laughs> I thought that I could enter again because, uh, to be honest, I knew that I will never be there unless this coach leave. So, once he was replaced, I had a hope again that I can be there. It was 50-50, like, you know, just uh, not 100% that I will be there when he leaves, but just 50-50, like I have a chance. So, that's when I noticed that I can. And the, the new coach spoke very highly of you after the game. He had you as your, your man of the match. I mean, that must be, be nice to hear that. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the, you know, opinion from bandits, from supporters, from everyone is, is valuable. But I guess when your coach uh, say that, it's, I think it's more valuable for me. It's all, all the same, like I said, it's important for everyone when he say that I did a good game, but when you coach you go out and say it, it's more important. And obviously a big win in, in terms of the qualifying, but after the disappointing World Cup, does, does this feel like it's a whole rebuild now for, for the squad? Are you kind of starting from scratch again? Yeah, you know, after the World Cup, like, they, they work hard, they work hard to get in there. Uh, there was a lot of uh, players which they were a lot of experience they they wanted to do it so they had they made it so now it's it's totally new new era like you say um, new coach and they decide they decided to to get like um, the age of the team like low they getting uh, young players uh, it's well they are using some of the old guys which they were young as well, but now they have the experience that they played the African Cup, they played the World Cup, so it's it's a good mix at the moment, and I hope the, this new era goes to as far as it can. Now, when you first came here, we, we spoke about possibly getting back into the team, and obviously you did well at National and the issues with the coach, but did you ever worry that maybe coming so far away over to Canada, people would just kind of forget about you? No, not at all. Like uh, like I said to you, four years ago when I was in national team, I was playing in Portugal. Uh, and then the coach came and I was playing in Portugal at that time and he didn't call me. Uh, um, I was playing as well, I was playing good, I was captain of my team and I didn't get any notice by him. So I was like, okay, you know. Anyway, I'm not there, so I go into China, I went to Canada, and I didn't think at all. Like I wanted to play in the national team, but yeah. I knew it's like, when I played in Portugal, I played in Europe, they didn't look at me, so it doesn't matter. I go play whenever I want, when I feel like I want to play football, I will go, I don't care. Um, unless now, when I have uh, this new coach, he, he's actually he's a Mexican, he knows how good the MLS is. Not a lot of oh, people, yeah, of course, not yeah. a lot of people knows about that because, yeah, it's difficult to follow the MLS for the time difference and and it's not like it's far from the other side. But when people get to know here, when get to know the league and watch it, they will notice that it's really tough league and it's like uh, big leagues in Europe. So it helped me that he's he's like from this side and he knows how it is, and the other side like. Uh, yeah, as long as I'm doing well here, I feel like it's good for me to be there back. And talking of that, you, you are doing well. And I know you've been in and out of the team for part of the year, but every time that you've come in and off late, 
the kind of partnership you've had with Russell, it seems the strongest midfield partnership that we have at the moment. Do, how, how do you feel your season's gone and are you happy with the way that you are playing just now? Yeah, to be honest, I expected the season to be better than how it did, how it went for me. But you cannot help it. You start the season with an injury and yeah. you stay for four games out outside the lines. And when I come back, at that moment the team were doing well. The guys I playing like they playing good, and you know it's difficult to get back in the team. I try to do my best every day in training, and so once I step in. I'm ready and I do it and then it comes middle of the season it's just a coach decision he think that okay that that kind of player can give him what he wants in the game so uh, what I try to do is just focus so when I play I prove him <laughs> so yeah it came to the moment that I start to play the team started to do well we start to get good results so it kept going yeah. so he kept it and I feel like it's it's it was going well. I hope it will continue until end of the season, until as far as we can go. Yeah. And um, it's like you said, like all good players, like like you say, yeah, it comes that I play me and Rossi played the, the most games together, and I think it, yeah, it works. It works very well for me as well. The the way you play, I, this league seems made for your kind of style of play. Do you feel really comfortable playing over here? Yeah, to be honest. Like I said, I was there. I didn't know a lot about here, uh, so when I came here, I was like, okay, that's a kind of game that I would like to play. Uh, also, the help that I get from the coach staff to make me understand more about the game and the kind of team that we have, as well, that help the style of play that I do. You know, uh, we are not. Uh, how to say like we're not sitting back most of the time or not uh, having the ball out of the time it's just a kind of go on back game so it's good it's good for me I feel the style of the of the game yeah anyway I will adapt for in style like as a player but I mean uh, I like I like the league I feel like it's good it's good for for my style like you say the the teams it's in tough now there's seven games to go big game obviously on, on Saturday against Seattle how are you feeling that this team is equipped to make the playoffs? You're on a good run just now, but you haven't really got any any space for any errors really between now and the end of the season. Are you confident you've got what it takes in the team to, to get to the playoffs? The, the simple thing that I will say to you, like what we have been doing the last period, we will continue to do until the end of the season. It gained us success and we have to continue it to continue our success so that's that's the key point for us we look to game by game we don't look about yeah we have to win all for sure we have to win all this game we have to think about playoffs but at the moment we are thinking game by game we have a game tomorrow we are thinking about it get the three point and then we think next game that's it that's great thank you so much congrats Ali Ali Gazal there, delighted to be back playing for Egypt and happy to be with the Whitecaps. And, little... and not a fan of the previous Egyptian coach. No, <laughs> which I, I did speak to him when he first came here and he made that very clear back then. Yeah. But I mean, it was great to see him back. We talked last week that 
Javier Aguera had said that he was the, the best player for him on the pitch. So hopefully a lot more appearances for Ali with the, the Faroes to come. Now, just to wrap this part up, we, we talked, it looks like Gazal and Tiber are now our, our starting pair as, as DMs or CMs. Reina's obviously going to come back in. We kind of touched on, on Jordan much a little bit. I think the rest of the team is pretty set. For me, maybe to share a spot could be up for grabs. But no, no I'd, I'd, I'd say they keep them in. I, I think then, just because they don't want. Who else are you going to put in that yeah, spot? Yeah, the only thing that you're looking at then is the, does Marcel De Jong come back in for Brett Levi? That's fifty-fifty every week. I think mm. it all depends on training for them to see who's who's up for it. Yep. Big game coming up against Dallas. Well, we'll talk about how Dallas got on this week and a little bit about that in part four. But coming up after the the break and the messages, we're going to bring you some chat with Don Garber. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. The Shapes there with I Saw Batman in the Laundrette from 1979. One of my favourite years for music. Is it? Hmm. And we're playing that because, well, two reasons. One, I feel the, the White Cats might need to put up the bat signal to, to try and get some help. Which, if they did, who's going to be the hero that's going to answer that, do you think, Steve? I don't know. It's maybe Kai Kamara. Mm. He did yesterday a little bit. He was really yeah. the best player on the pitch. So he he is Batman then. I guess so. I'll, I'll tell him that training well, this week. I'm Black, sure he'll, he'll like that. Well, he, he they do the Wakanda dance all the time. So oh. why not be Batman as well? well? Possibly. But yeah, it was it was Batman Day yesterday. I don't really know what that was about. It's just something uh, promoted by the uh, DC Comics, and then they give the like have these comics that are given away free at, at certain comic shops and everything oh, like that. Like free comic book day. Yeah, comic, free comic, but it's just essentially Batman and they give them out and stuff like that. It's kind of a day that they picked, I guess. Still, I, I don't think it's any historical reference to uh, anything. Nothing beats the 60s Batman for me. Yeah, I, I, that's the one I started yeah, with too. Always loved it. Except for the comics, of course. Anyway, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And in this part, we're, we're going to bring you audio from Don Garber, MLS commissioner. He was in Vancouver Friday and Saturday. Spoke to, to media uh, training on Friday. Whitecaps only put nine minutes off the, the audio up, so we have the full 18 minutes, mm-hmm. including, including a little bit of fun towards the end. You'll, you'll hear that when we get to that. But obviously, if we, if we keep the Batman theme going, if Don Gara was a character in the Batman universe, you're, you're a big fan of all this, who would he be, Steve? Um, I thought about this, um, and I think I'm going to go with Raz al Ghul. Oh, he, the guy that made Batman. Yeah, well, he's a demon. Kinda. No, in the movies, yes, hmm. but not really. Uh, but he's basically, um, he, he's, a, he's a villain who thinks is doing right by the world. Oh. And is willing to do it by any means necessary. Ah. 
and he's obviously head of a you know the assassins. Uh, I can't remember what they call him. The de- he's called the Demon Head, basically, mm. and he's basically in charge of a, a massive group that's been going on forever. He never dies; he's almost immortal. And it seems like Don oh, Garber never goes yeah. never goes away either. He's always the, looks like he's always going to be the commissioner. So you're it kind of fits. He looks like a vampire. Is, is what well, you're saying? Razagul is not a vampire. No, but no, yeah. yeah, I thought you'd have gone for Two Face. Well, that's the easy one. Uh, you can call anybody. Well, Two-Face. Commissioner Gordon was the easy one. Oh yeah, well, I guess, but. But Commissioner Gordon was an honourable man. So who would be Robin? Of what? From where? Is it, in, Anywhere? In, in, I, don't, I don't know. In MLS Batman <laughs> universe. I don't know. Maybe T'Chara because he's short as Robin would be oh, as a 14-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough of the Batman talk. Let's just get straight into to Don Garbery. A lot of good stuff covered here. Some of the really meaty stuff was the stuff that wasn't up on the White Cats website. But as I said, we'll bring that for you now. So enjoy. We are... The League! Yeah, it's good to be here. Nice. A little bit of a long flight from Orlando yeah, yesterday. <laughs> but it, uh, it, it actually uh, has me live firsthand and even sympathize the, the challenges of uh, uh, being in this part of North America and having to travel throughout uh, uh, the United States and Canada to play games. Sure. Yeah. So we're mindful of that and uh, and recognize how hard it is on players. In this case, you know, going 50, 60,000 miles uh, a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just one of the challenges of building soccer in North America. What do you think of the facility here? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, I uh, walking around with, uh, with Rachel and Greg and Jeff, uh, this has now become sort of table stakes for Major League Soccer. I think about where we were uh, when the league was founded and for really the first 10 or 15 years, uh, trying to beg, borrow, and steal, uh, training our players in a professional environment, and now every club is building a facility like this that fits the character of their brand and the, the competitive technical philosophy of the club. Uh, and this is a wonderful one. It's such a great part of town and, uh, and very, very thoughtful, which uh, doesn't surprise me because uh, this club has been very thoughtful about training players way before they were in Major League Soccer. What does the Alfonso Davies transfer say about MLS and, and this club? Well, I think it's, first let's start and say what it says about the club. Uh, you know, as I, I said earlier, you know, when I first met Greg and uh, Jeff, uh, they were already in the player development business, both on the men's side and the women's side, uh, more so than any other professional uh, soccer team in the United States and Canada. And to finally have uh, a great story to tell, uh, and one that really has been one of the great soccer stories in the world, uh, is uh, really rewarding. Uh, it says a lot about the club's ambition. It says a lot about uh, the potential for developing players here in Canada. And it says a lot about Alfonso Davies. You know, I met him uh, during the, um, the World Cup bid process and uh, met him at our All-Star game, having made that selection. Uh, and he's just a wonderful young man, and I'm really happy for him, pleased for his family, and really uh, happy for the Whitecaps. Obviously, we get to see Alfonso, and we're kind of in this kind of media hype around him all the time, but are these like kind of Alfonso Davies' tidal waves sensed around the MLS and other fans and other markets as well? Oh, absolutely. He is one of the great soccer stories, not just in MLS, but it's one of the great soccer stories in the global game. You have a kid that's uh, being uh, getting a record uh, transfer fee associated with him and being developed in Major League Soccer has the rest of the world looking and saying, you know, the league is on the rise 
and getting the game right uh, needs to be taken seriously. And uh, uh, that's both a blessing and a curse because uh, the tidal wave has already been coming to North America to try to um, uh, have the, the international clubs trying to uh, mine all sorts of opportunity for themselves. And I think that uh, that box is going to be open up a little bit wider. How pleased are you with the competitive balance right now, especially out west here at the playoff races, including the game you'll see tomorrow night to Vancouver, uh, Seattle? I, you know, this is part of, you know, the core identity of Major League Soccer. I think it's one of the core identities of the North American Major Leagues. We're very focused on competitive balance. So even with the influx of TAM money and discretionary TAM money, that those programs only happen after we've done deep analysis on what impact that's going to have on competitive balance. And as we have some clubs spending... Uh, significantly more than others, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to deliver uh, competitive success. And while injuries play into some of the challenges that are happening in Toronto, for example, uh, you you can't buy a championship in Major League Soccer. So that's going to continue to be a part of uh, the core identity of our league. There have been a, a lot of big-name additions to the league, obviously someone like Zlatan. Uh, Bob Linaduzzi was on the radio here recently talking about the need to maybe mandate that these big-name players play in turf, because a lot of them don't come up and play here. For the growth of the game and getting the public on board, is there anything you can do about that? I I think that's a a smart move, frankly. I don't know that we'll be able to achieve that, but I'm as frustrated as fans are uh, when uh, we sign a player and pay him a lot of money uh, and uh, have him decide where and when he's going to play. That would never happen in another league, and I know there are different... Uh, environments that uh, that players are playing in when they're playing in the Champions League. And my guess is that in a Champions League game, some of these players, even if it was on turf, would be playing in that. Uh, so we have not yet thought about mandating that. It's very difficult to mandate those sort of things because you have injuries and uh, all sorts of other things that come into, uh, into play. But I am as frustrated as others when uh, we don't have players that are playing in every game when they're not injured. I want to talk to you about the CONCACAF uh, Champions League schedule and how sometimes there can be kind of a tournament hangover um, at the beginning of the MLS season. Is there anything that can be done to help uh, teams in this league um, through that? Yeah, so, you know, CONCACAF has made lots of changes. We're in much better shape now than we were a number of years ago. Remember, we're playing in an environment where we're the only league that has the schedule that we do. So it's very difficult to get the rest of uh, the CONCACAF region to adapt to us. But then again, you know, the Champions League is uh, an important product and a, and a valuable asset for CONCACAF. And they know that if we're not at full strength, it's not going to be a good tournament or as good a tournament as it could be. Last year, we were really proud. I mean, what a, what a big, great way to start the year. Uh, and uh, I hope that we're able to continue to uh, be competitive. We want to win the Champions League. I think until we start winning it regularly, we want to satisfy our goals being one of the top leagues in the world. Certainly, we've got to be one of the top leagues in, in North America first. Uh, so um, I'm not sure there's short-term changes, but um, you know, mid-term and long-term, I think we're all committed to the same thing. The, the Champions League has got the potential to be such a great competition. What do you think it's going to take to get the fans to, to kind of appreciate it a bit more? Because some of the attendances have been quite poor. Well, you know, the attendances this past year, certainly at the latter uh, uh, stages, were pretty good. You know, we had... Uh, 
record crowds uh, for that tournament in the early part of the year and certainly as we were playing in the finals. I thought the television ratings uh, for uh, the the final with America and uh, and Toronto were fantastic, both in Mexico and here in the United States. I mean, these things take time. You know, we have not been as competitive in it as mm-hmm. we need to be. And as we continue to be more competitive, I think you'll start seeing increased relevance and higher attendances. I think a good analogy is the U.S. Open Cup. You know, there were many, many years, my, my 19th season, there were times when uh, the U.S. Open was, you know, you'd have a couple of thousand people going to games. Now that that tournament has really earned you know, its place in the, the soccer landscape in the United States. More and more people are watching on television, more and more people going to the games. So we're all committed to the same thing. I think it's going to get better. Now, Vancouver's been in the league for eight years now. That's amazing, isn't we, it? Gosh. We've never, <laughs> never hosted the All-Star game here. Yeah. No Canadian clubs ever hosted the, the draft. Is that a situation you see possibly uh, changing for the city soon? Well, I'll start with the draft. It's an interesting idea. You know, it's not something we ever contemplated. You know, the draft has always been associated with the the, uh, the National Soccer Coaches um, uh, Association Convention. It's a place in uh, in the United States where thousands and thousands of coaches, even from Canada, you know, come around, and we've always uh, connected our draft to it. We've contemplated having the draft be more standalone, and I think if that ever happens, there's no reason why it wouldn't be great to have it up here in Canada, and I think appropriate as a way to recognize where the sport is. Um, on the All-Star game, we made a commitment to uh, Vancouver when they came in. And uh, I think the time is just whenever they're ready for it and uh, whenever there's enough of um, you know, energy with, uh, with the, the league to bring a, uh, a, an All-Star game up here at a time when recognizing we would have a national broadcaster in the U.S. that would not have one part of the audience. So uh, it's just a matter of time. You know, we're we're going to be here for a while. You know, we just announced, as you know, the All-Star game in Orlando yesterday. Uh, but Vancouver, uh, they, they're entitled to a game, and they'll get one when we're ready for it, and they're ready for it. You had a bit of an adventure getting here. Uh, uh, travel is an issue probably felt a little more keenly in Vancouver than anywhere else. Is there any thought at the league level of making travel a little more efficient? Well, if that's a question about charters, uh, then the answer to that is yes. You know, I think we, we've been very mindful of managing our league uh, and our expenses in accordance with our revenues. And I think that's part of why we're going into year 24 next year and bigger and stronger than, than ever before. Uh, but I think the time is coming where we do need to start looking more at charters, particularly for those clubs that are geographically further away from uh, their you know, they're regular competitors, then perhaps they might be in the Northeast. Uh, but uh, it needs to happen in the right way. You know, I, I worry more about thinking we've cracked the code for this sport than I worry about the day-to-day challenges. So um, in time, I think you'll see more charters, but I don't think we'll ever be in a situation where a guy's going to be buying big planes and uh, traveling the way the, the other leagues do, at least not in my tenure. What do you think the biggest issue is facing the league right now? You know, it's managing growth, uh, which is uh, something that is, is, is fun to say. You know, it used to be sort of figuring out how we could be viable. And now it's with all the momentum that we have, how do we ensure that we're making the right decisions? Do we invest money in charters? Do we invest more money in academies? Do we put more money into the TAM program? Do we put more money into marketing or building, you know, facilities at our clubs? Because it's all paid for by our owners. And we're getting more and more engaged in trying to figure out how do we 
spend our resources in a way that can move the league forward, uh, even if it's incrementally year after year. Uh, I'd say not as a challenge, but as an opportunity. I mean, it shouldn't be lost on anybody, particularly up here in Canada. You know, we have this incredible opportunity to manage the growth of our business over an eight-year defined period of time with the World Cup coming in 06. Uh, companies never have an opportunity to know where they'll be eight years from now. Well, we know where we'll be. We'll have the world's game here in United States, Canada, and Mexico, and we're all together trying to build a game in North America, and we've got to have an eight-year plan. We'll start on that now. We haven't started it yet. We've got a little bit of time, uh, but that's a major priority for, for the league and for the CSA, for uh, U.S. soccer, et cetera. I'm pleased with the, uh, the reach and pace in which this uh, league is growing. You know, the, the expansion cities, is it uh, Miami, Cincinnati, Nashville? Are you, are you hearing a kind of a groundswell of excitement? Oh, there there for, is for an Nashville. amazing excitement uh, with, uh, with our league overall and, and certainly in our new uh, markets. But look what we are here. I'm going to go to the game on Saturday night. It's going to have 30,000 people there. Yeah. You know, and that is, gives me as much pride as when we have you know, sellouts in a new team in Los Angeles. Uh, but when you go to these new markets, the, the, uh, the thing that strikes me the most is, uh, I was in Nashville uh, earlier this week, uh, you know, the total relevance of these clubs in, in cities where the game doesn't have deep roots. So we were hosted by the governor of the state of Tennessee and uh, had uh, lunch with the mayor and his city council. And uh, you've got major corporation CEOs that are coming to these events because they just want to be a part of the MLS uh, excitement in the city of Nashville. Uh, we're feeling the same in Cincinnati. That club's going to launch next year in MLS, and there's averaging over 20,000 fans a game already. So there is a lot of momentum. I think that momentum uh, needs to be managed to the question you asked. How do you manage all that excitement and, 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 uh, and opportunity? There's so many strong markets as well wanting to join the league. Obviously, sports are limited right now. How, how do you satisfy that demand without maybe watering down, especially the domestic playing pool? You know, it's a good question, and all leagues uh, are thinking about this every day. You know, the I'll talk about it overall. I mean, we're fortunate to be uh, a business that's in the global market, so there is a global pool of players. Uh, that allows us to ensure that our product overall is not diluted. Uh, so, And our fans have told us, you know, they want to see Alfonso, but they also want to see Kendall Watson. Uh, and particularly here in Canada, where you have a very sophisticated soccer audience, high quality, uh, high quality of product on the field matters first. But we have an obligation to our various countries, both U.S. soccer and the Canadian Soccer Association, to develop players for our national team. And we've got to figure out how those two marry with each other and how we're satisfying both of those uh, objectives. I don't think of it as an issue as much of dilution. Uh, having an impact on, on the domestic player. I think of it as, you know, as we have more and more sophisticated fans, how do we ensure that our domestic players have an opportunity to play? And that has nothing to do with uh, expansion. Almost argue that expansion would give them more opportunities. Uh, but these are things that leagues sit down, and Greg is the co-chair of our Greg Kerfoot of our uh, product strategy committee. We're talking about that stuff all the time. How big do you see this league realistically getting? Well, it's certainly going to be at 28, and, uh, and that's the, uh, the limit that we've established for ourselves. We have two more teams uh, to go. Uh, we've got to be uh, able to take a step back and onboard all of those teams and ensure that they have the success that the teams have had when they've come into Major League so Soccer. But, you know, life's a long time. I don't know. You, you guys spend time with Gary Bettman. I think if you asked him 10 years ago whether we'd have a team in Seattle or a team in Las Vegas, he'd probably say no. So uh, I have... 
I have no view really as to how big the league would be at a time when I'll be long out as commissioner of the league. You talk as well about developing domestic players here and also in the States. The Canadian Premier League is obviously launching next season. Do you view them as a rival or a partner that you can work with? Well, they're absolutely not a rival. I don't think they're positioning themselves in terms of uh, the level of that league as a rival. Uh, I think that uh, Canada uh, has to, as a country, continue to develop players. We have three teams that are investing tens of millions of dollars in each of our respective markets to do that. And we see the byproduct of that with some of the great players that have come out of our academies. Uh, but the CPL is going to be good for Canadian soccer. And at the level that they're at, it's not something that concerns me at all. Which were those teams you were referencing there that were investing money in there? Well, just here in Canada, you have Vancouver, uh, Montreal, and Toronto. Massive amounts of money. I mean, this, is a, this, this facility here was really expensive. And that doesn't even speak to you know, the many, many millions of dollars that they're spending on operating their academies. And uh, that shouldn't be lost on anybody who loves the game here. And we should not be dismissive of the, you know, tens of millions of dollars that are being invested annually by our three clubs on their facilities and player development. Uh, And the people that love the game here should be thinking about what positive impact that's had on the Canadian national team. So I think the future is bright for soccer in Canada and more professional teams is good for the game. Now the schedule is obviously always a big talking point. Have you had thoughts about maybe trying to shorten the playoffs, maybe even have it wrapped up before the international break? Yeah, you know, listen, if, I can ma- wait, if we could wave a magic wand, we would do that, right? Hi, I'm Jay Nolly, and that was magic. Because obviously the break, the FIFA break doesn't help. Uh, but I, you know, I've learned over all these years that uh, you know life's a long time I mean I think we will continue to evolve our league and be able to have uh, the opportunity to play around with our playing schedule uh, with the support of our fans and uh, the facilities that we're building and the expansion of our league in warmer markets to be able to manage something that might look a different a little bit different than it does today but I don't see anything in the super short term that will change. What about the two-legged playoffs? I know it's not always ideal. We saw Vancouver-Seattle last year. It wasn't a great playoff game. Is there thoughts of maybe going to just a straight knockout game? You know, there's two, two really distinct points of view on that. There are those that think it would be fantastic, and there are those who think it's not fair to the home crowd to not be able, home fans to not be able to host a playoff game. You know, again, I, we look at it all the time. I don't know how it ultimately ends up, but... Uh, you know, at, at some point, maybe we should even play around with it because, uh, you know, we are a, a big event uh, continent here. And the idea of, of one and done probably could attract a lot of attention. Uh, but we'll have to see. But when you look back at your own time <laughs> as commissioner of the league... You want to come take a ride with me? I don't, <laughs> no one else is asking anything. Um, when you look back at your own time as commissioner of the league, what's the biggest or the proudest thing that you've, you take out of it so far? You know, it depends on where I am each day, but uh, like today's a proud day, and I'm not just saying that because I'm here in Vancouver. You know, when I walk into bricks and mortar and I see uh, the significant foundations and permanence that our owners have put into our league with a facility like this, it gives me enormous pride. Uh, and people shouldn't take that for granted. Now, this is not something that has a great financial return. But it speaks to the commitment of owners and also speaks to their belief in the long-term uh, project that we have. Uh, so I, there were so many things that make me happy today walking through here. You know, I was really, really 
um, proud uh, and impressed with the commitment that you know ownership has put into the city and into our league in this community. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Thank everybody. We'll talk more in the car. Don Garber there talking about all things MLS and had a. a How was the car ride over? It it, it was good. We nearly actually went to the toilet together yesterday. That's a a story I'll say for the 300th episode, possibly. It got a couple of tweets in from Angus Walker who said uh, uh, in the Batman universe, Don Garber would be an evil Robin because he's Robin Columbus of their team. I get it, yeah. Yeah, I thought I was waiting for a bigger laugh. Oh, sorry, I thought, sorry. I thought that was really sick. Sorry, I was concentrating on something else. He also said he likes how Don said last year's CONCACAF Champions League was great, because that's obviously when the Caps were in it. There is, at one point, an evil Robin. He's called uh, Red Hood. Oh. Because Robin, uh, the one that, you know the one that died when they, uh, people, they had people phone in to decide whether this Robin died? No. Okay, there was one point they had uh, people phone in to decide whether the Joker killed this Robin in the next episode or he stayed alive. And everybody voted for him to die. And eventually he came back from the dead and became the Red Hood. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about what Garber said at the end of this part and then into the next part. But, I mean, he wasn't really in Vancouver for any real reason. He's just kind of doing the rounds. He was in Orlando announcing the All-Star game. Obviously, I then asked him why we've never had one here. Yeah, um, and, he, uh, and it was a really weird answer. Yeah, there, there's been a commitment made. We are allowed to have one. We're entitled to one. But it's only when the time is right for both the league and us. And, and said about something the, about weird TV things. Yeah, I didn't. TSN it, wasn't interested anything, or something? Well, it, it's as if, if anything's shown in Canada, folk in the States won't watch it. It's the impression that well, I the, got. Well, there's something, and I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but if, the, if something is... Pl- the, the, American people broadcast something from Canada or something uh, like outside the US, they don't get the ratings or something like that. It's something uh, weird, and I don't know exactly what. Well, that I mean, Toronto's is. hosted the All Star game. Yeah. The draft's never been held here, and I don't think well, it should be tied in with the coaches' convention. I think it should be a standalone thing. It's a weird thing that he that even tied it in with yeah, that. Like, and I, they... I know folk don't like the draft, and folk don't like the All Star game. I don't like the All Star game. I don't watch the All Star game. Yeah. If an All Star game was here, though. Maybe that's why it's I, not here. I would watch it. Yeah. I'd enjoy it. Yeah. And it seems like good week, and it's a good week of activities. But would designated players turn up and play in our turf? Maybe they, they, don't, come put in, they maybe. don't turn and play up in anything else. Maybe they could put special grass in for that game. Maybe he he did talk about that, and like Bobby had talked about it on the Sakaris and Price show about maybe not mandate because that is tough to do, but try and put pressure on these big name players to come and play games. It it doesn't do the. The league, great. I'm happy when they don't because it means we're facing a weaker team. For sure. But if you are wanting to grow the league, you need guys like Zlatan, Thierry Henry to come and play but, places see, like But this. there's been a big gap in from what, what players aren't playing because you said Thierry Henry, Zlatan. There hasn't been that many players I other than that. two big names. Yeah, but David Villa, he, he'll yeah, he come came. and play. Full credit to him. Kaka didn't. I don't Kaka, think. I can't remember if he did. I don't think he Lampard did. did. Perlo yep. did. Um, so there are players that are out there that do come and play, 
on on the turf. Obviously, the bigger biggest names didn't. We'll see next year if Rooney does. Yeah, yeah, Rooney would come here next year. So I, we'll see if that if that happens. I thought it was interesting as well. I only saw this today when I was watching the game back. But they had Garber on the halftime of the show yesterday. Yeah, and fifteen minute halftime, they had Garber on for less than two minutes. They showed. Stephen Marinovich and Jake Norwinski at the Super Dogs at the PE for longer than they had well, Garber on talking. But, but that's an advert. That's a sponsor thing. Obviously, they needed somebody sponsor. They needed Garber with a sponsor badge or something <laughs> on his front. Or well, I mean, it's great. TSN get two minutes, we get eighteen. Yeah, I think, I think that that was good. But there was a lot of talk. He was asked about Fonzie, and he said it's great for the league. Can or should MLS take any credit? For Fonzie, I think not really, no, not, not at really. all. Well, if you want to see the Whitecaps are an MLS team, they yeah. would. Uh, uh, Nothing to do with the league. It's it's six degrees of separation, or what yeah. you want to say. It's quite a way. But there's some other things that you talked about that we're going to talk about in the next part, and we'll be back with that after this. Hey, it's Ivan Runovic, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting on 101.9 FM. That was Splodginess Abounds there with Poison Babies versus Batman from 1981. One of my all-time favourite punk bands there. Some great stuff from the Splodge. Should play more of those, actually, as we move forward. So, part four. We're going to continue the Batman theme and Commissioner Garber. And just some of the things that he talked about there just before the break... One thing we talked about was the growth of the league. Should it just be set at 28? You don't want to oversaturate it by just no. adding teams left, right and centre. And I think you made a good point about the the domestic part of it. Yeah. It would be saturated. Not I, the, I think it the, would get watered cause, down. Because there's plenty of international players they'd be able to find. Yeah. But they, they want to grow it. And not for Canada. They want to grow the American yeah. game, which is basically... No matter what else they say, that is what it's there for. I, I, I still get... I, I think... I don't know if we talked about it on air or off air, but... I think looking back on it, they wish they hadn't give, hadn't given Vancouver and Montreal their, their teams and yeah. kept it for. They didn't, I don't think they realized how much interest there would have been in MLS. Yeah, but then. but we do draw well here. We do and draw well, he, but it's Canadian. He money. was very impressed. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. very impressed by the, the training facility and everything to do with that. Yeah, but you've got these markets. I hate using market as a word, but it's basically it's, that's it is. What it you've is, got yeah. these Cities. great markets. And like Cincinnati's in, that's right. You've yeah. got we won't go through them all, but there's Detroit, there's so many St. Louis and Sacramento, San Diego. There's more than the two spots that's available. Yeah. And I think if a, if if there's a really strong market that are drawing crowds, Phoenix and they want to, to get a team but they can't get in, what happens to that marketplace? Are they gonna just be happy in USL? I am genuinely worried that we'll see more circumstances like Columbus 
where an owner's going to think, okay, well, I don't know if you saw the Chicago game today. There was nobody at that game. Yeah. That was a really crap crowd. But you're going to have some teams that their owners at some point might think, you know what, we could move this team to a better market. Yeah, for sure. And the, and there could be instances, and this would be the worst, well, I don't know, worst case, depending on where you sit with everything. Um, we talked about it before, Vancouver, like they could sell their rights, yeah. their MLS rights, and then join the CPL yeah. uh, down the road. I don't think it would happen right away, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, possibly. Definitely when, a possibility, yeah, depending on how the CPL does. And then, and then Vancouver would, the, the the ownership there would gain, like I guarantee you it would be like in the maybe three, 400 million at oh, least, they, at least. Yeah, because they got in for 35. Yeah, so you imagine that kind of profit. You're talking to 200 <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, so, I mean that that is but, fantastic. But um, 10, 15 years down the road, oh, it couldn't be up to three hundred or four hundred at that point. I mean, talking to the CPL as well, I was really curious what his take would be on it, and I was quite surprised when he said they are absolutely not a rival because I think they they don't deem it a rival for the U.S. teams. Obviously, it would be a little bit of a rival for Canadian teams, mm, but he doesn't even see that. But not at this point because I I think. Because of the fact that it's so early, I think if you ask the question, do you consider them arrivals down the road? Mm. Maybe he would have had a different idea. I don't know that he would. I but I think, but I well, think, he I, seems to think they don't want to operate at that level. My yeah. understanding is, is they, they do. do. Yes, eventually. Yes, I don't think they're going to shoot for it right away. Mm. But eventually, they're going to. They're like MLS would be in '95 or '96 where they yep. were then. So Something I, think, I want to ask David Clanikin or Paul Byrne. Yeah. The next time I speak to him, just to see what, what their take is on that. Yeah. And then the schedule in the playoffs. The international break does kill the momentum that the, or the interest that the fans have, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah. It's very rare that we get past the end. Because you lose break. track, especially yeah. if, you're not, if your team's not in it. Yeah. You completely lose track. Like, I remember at one point you were saying, I called you up yes. randomly and I said, oh, well, uh, we were going to talk about the show, the upcoming show. And you said, oh, I'm just watching the game. I go, what game? And you lose track of where yeah. the playoffs are. I mean, it kills it so much. Because they schedule it differently too. It's not just on a Saturday, Sunday or something like that. They'll throw a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Monday, depending on when the stadium is available. And that's the problem. Well, December as well for the MLS Cup's not ideal either. No, it's but not. But they have to have it then because of the break. But I think there is ways around it. And I think one of the things I said about the two-legged games, I would be fine to go to one-legged games because you, it, it makes your regular season... I've talked before about the supporter shield means bugger all. Yeah, exactly. Because it gives more importance to the regular yeah, season if you it, do that. It, you're being rewarded for a good regular season. So I have no issue at all with it going to a straight knockout. And when they get to 28 teams, I, I, I'm almost sure they'll expand the playoff amount of oh, teams going to the playoff. At least to seven. Yeah. So if you think of it, seven teams in the playoffs. Well, eight would make sense. Well, but, yeah. but they'll go seven. For maybe do half the teams in the playoffs, half teams out. And you'll do where two plays eight, like the the two through seven, sorry, play, and then the remaining three teams, the top team gets a bye, right? I mean, and then you can do that. You could even end up with three conferences as well yeah. once, once it gets into and, 28. And honestly, they need, to, they need to do more of playing these games all on the same day too because you get that interest of like, yeah. you know how a decision day is where you get all these games yeah. and you could have that in the playoffs too because honestly, a person in Columbus might not be interested in watching a game of RSL. So why not have them happening at the same time or just a little bit overlap so you kind of can keep track and give people a chance to look into the other games? So, I mean, that, that was some of the stuff that, that Don Garber said. And, like, for for what you might feel about him and stuff, 
one thing I will say is he does seem to be more readily available to talk to media than some of the other commissioners oh, from other sure. the other big leagues in, in North America. And I do respect him from that. He might give answers that you feel is a little bit... Pandering? Yeah, pandering for the local market. And he kind of said that in his last question. What, what's your proudest achievement? Well, it depends where I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, okay. This isn't giving it up right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he does, he does talk and he has grown the league. I just don't know that he is the person I to take it to the next level. It might be better to have some fresh blood in there, but I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, but, but we'll see. But he is overseeing a very exciting MLS 21st season, I yeah. think it is this year. And the stretch run is a lot yeah. of teams in it right now. Caps are seventh. We'll do our sort of Western review quickly just to, to finish this part off. The Caps are seventh. Yeah. Four points now out of the playoff places. Behind their two Cascadian rivals who are 5th and 6th. Seattle 5th, Portland are 6th. Seattle have a game in hand. RSL, th- th- let's not consider Seattle at this point. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah. I, I, they're, they're way ahead yeah. at this point. They're going for top two right yeah. now. RSL are 4th. Five points ahead of us. With a, a mixed run in. There's some tough games in there. And they've played an extra game. So we've got, if we win our game in hand, there's two points in it. Yeah, and their next two games are away to Atlanta. And away to Sporting. Sporting KC. And then they've also got Portland home and away who's yes. going to be fighting for everything. Exactly. So someone's going to drop points there. And it would be wicked if both of them just draw those two games. Oh, yeah. That would be fantastic. Because we then have to get the job done going back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, it means nothing if we don't, if exactly. the Whitecaps don't do anything at this point. I mean, you've know. said for weeks that you feel RSL is the team to catch. Based on the schedule. Yeah, it's now kind of looking that way. Because they drop, oh, we'll talk about that yeah. soon. Well, it was a weird week for results, really. It went so much in the Whitecaps' favour, and then we just couldn't take advantage, which I think just adds to the frustration from Saturday night. Looking at the Western teams, the action kicked off with Colorado and Atlanta. There's no interest in it for us. Colorado's long gone. Yeah, Atlanta three 0 winners. But, but they, 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 yeah, they are. They've almost eliminated us mathematically from. No, we can still win the supporter shield. But they've almost eliminated yeah, us. They need one more point. Yes, and then we're out. But we can still win the supporter shield, Steve. <laughs> Believe, yeah, maybe not. No, um, TFC and the LA Galaxy. Now, this was an absolute cracker 5 3 final. TFC were three up by the 36th minute, they looked home and dry, coasting. Then Zlatan got his 500th goal. Beautiful. Oh, it's a fantastic goal. But you look at the goal, you say, wow, that's a goal. But then you think it's Latin. It's something yeah. you expect. You also think, what was the keeper doing? Why, exactly. How did the keeper even let that in? But I don't think he was expecting that no, to happen. No. That's the that's the thing about Zlatan. He does these goals and you don't you don't expect it. That's why it makes the goalkeeper even look worse. He got a bit of a standing ovation. For the goal? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Okay. He, he said afterwards when he was asked about yeah, I the fans, saw that. Yeah. He, he made a comment about yeah, it wouldn't be the first away ground where the fans have applauded me. Yeah. He was superb after the game, but we'll come to that. I think he talked to Bob Bradley too or something. Yes. Yeah. By, by the 58th minute, it was 3-3. Yeah. TFC shot the bed, but they recovered. They cleaned the sheets up. They put down the plastic padding. And the last 15 minutes, goals from Osorio and Chapman. Couple of Canadians. Three, three points. Yeah. Basically ending LA's playoff hopes. TFC are now ninth in the East. Nine points behind Montreal. They've got a game in hand and Montreal's sixth. Well, but I think they're done. Yeah, well, they don't have, I don't think, a turkey's chance. They, a turkey has a better chance than Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, should, but, did I bring something but, up? But we'll, we'll come to that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I, I think they're done. Yeah. Because they need a, they need a lot of help from teams above them, and that's not going to happen. But yeah, the post game stuff between Zlatan. Well, actually, it was towards the end of the game between Zlatan and Bradley. They squared up after a tackle Boateng made. Bradley was right in the referee's face, looking for cards as he does. Yeah, constantly. As he constantly does, and Zlatan just got right in between them, and they were squaring off and chirping at each other. And then afterwards, Zlatan was asked about it, and he he just oh, he went off on Bradley. It was fantastic. Said he likes to think of himself as a professor of soccer. Yeah, I have more goals and games than he's played in. Yeah, and basically t- said he needs to learn from me and be and like basically listen to and do what Zlatan does. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. But LA, that's the big talking point for us. They're six points out of the playoffs now. And they've played a game more than us. They're below us. They're done. They're I, totally done. They're rebuilding. They, and they've got rid of the gobbler. Yeah, and the thing is, that what really killed them was Montreal winning uh, in Philadelphia yesterday. I think they were down 1-0 and they went on to come back and beat them 4-1. So that was a huge game for them. But Dom Kinnear... Interim manager for LA for the rest of the year. I don't think he is going to be the guy that leads them next year, barring them winning out. Yeah. But I I don't see that happen. Dallas Columbus going from a great game between TFC and LA Galaxy to nothing. To a no no draw between our opponents next week, FC Dallas. Now, not a lot to see in the game. The keepers between them made three saves. That's how much action it was. Dallas, though, dropped to second now in the West. They've only got one win in the last four, two wins in their last seven. It feels like this is a good time to get them. Yeah. I, 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 and they don't do well here. No, and I, I, I mentioned that they seem to, like obviously this year it hasn't affected them because they probably won more in the first half of the year uh, than they usually do. But they were able to build up enough points that it's not going to hurt them for the playoffs. But again, once again, they start slipping in the second half of the season. It seems a consistent thing with them. But I mean, we, we've got... Surely we've got to win next week or that, is it? It's done, yeah. yeah. Got to win at home against a team that's not doing that well. Everything's on the line. You fall more than four points off and yeah. No, we'll yeah. doing our end of season show. No, no, for sure. It, show in the same like, show. I still think they have a chance, but if they lose next week and it doesn't make a difference who RSL's playing down the stretch, it's done at that point. Yeah, I think so. Houston and Portland. Now, this was one of the two Big, big results that win the Whitecaps' favour. Absolute shocker for me. Even I if it's in Texas. It's in Texas, but yeah, still. Yeah, even so. Yeah. It could have been a great result. Maybe it will be a great result for the Whitecaps. Should have been, whatever. Houston were winless in 10 going into this. That was surprising too. I didn't realise yeah, it. Yeah, they've been on a really bad run. Yeah. And they went 1-0 down after an own goal nine minutes in by Fu well, and Mayor. Well, you got to remember that they, 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 they were dealing with a lot of red cards here and there. They were like, yeah, there was a stretch. Yeah, they one game or something. Yeah, and yeah. There, was, there was other games where they kept getting red cards too. So their lineup was all over the place. But, yeah, bam. Dynamo hit back four unanswered goals, winning 4-1. Albert Elise... Grace from Minotis. Fuemayor puts one the right net. Yeah. It ended a three-match and biting run for Portland. Now, I had a look at Portland's season on the results map. They have been so streaky. Five winless games to start the season. Then they went unbeaten in 15. Then they had four straight losses. Then three undefeated. Yeah. Is this going to kickstart another streak? We could do with it. Maybe a short one, yeah. It could be. I don't know who their next opponent is, but it could be. I don't know. And then you've got RSL coming up for them as well. The thing is, when I was watching the highlights on this one, 
I I saw it at least, and obviously we've seen it before. But if they can, because they got they're gonna have I think if I'm not mistaken, seven hundred fifty thousand in gam from the Alfonso Davies thing, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you want to go after him? See, there's a lot of guys in the league I would want to go after, but, but it's not easy to do these interleague I know. transfers. It's getting more and more, though. It there's is, because Justin Merrim, Dom Dwyer, yeah. you got those ones. I think Houston could use the money because they, yeah. they, they, they always they could do it with someone that's done it and proven it in, in the MLS, league, like yeah. Kai Kamara. Yeah, so that's why I think at least would be a nice... I'd love him here. He's he's really crafty down that wing, and yeah. I don't know how like what he compares to within Dave for Davies because I don't watch at least that much. But in the sh- little bit I've seen him, I think he can mm. kind of keep up with the same things that Davies offered. That, this is something we'll do in the off season. We'll have a, a fantasy week where we'll try and pick what players and other oh, teams yeah. would like to. No matter to make what some the bids cost, for. yeah, yeah, cost is not important. We're <laughs> we're loaded now in fantasy, especially. Yeah, my fantasies. I've got a lot of money. I won't tell you how I spend it, but <laughs> Rose McIver's in a lot of them. Oh, as well. see, I knew that was anyway. RSL <laughs> Minnesota was the other good result that finished one-one. Could have been even better. We'll come to that, yeah. but RSL looked home and dry. One up in eleven minutes from Krylash. I remember they've been scoring like at will. Yeah. So when you score in the eleventh minute, you're thinking that's going to just keep coming at this point. But I, from nowhere, a late surge by Minnesota. Yeah. Grabbed a point, nearly all three. Miguel Ibarra fired in an equalised in the eighty-fourth minute. Nice little chip. He was in so much space in the middle of the box. I don't know. It was like Whitecaps-esque defending. I don't know what RSL were thinking. I think it was actually more like Minnesota-type defending. <laughs> Minnesota is the one that seems to have <laughs> like separation. Then he, Ibarra thought he'd hit the winner. It was a great strike, yeah. really tight angle at the near post. But then it was reviewed in VAR and Darwin Quintero was ruled offside yeah. and he played the ball over Feel his it, head, yeah. which was a nice pass as well. It was a good result, a draw. RSL, they're unbeaten in four. Three of them are wins. They've just got one loss in the last nine, two in the last 12. And although we keep saying we feel they're the team that we can catch, they're not exactly showing a lot of signs that they're faltering, though. So that that is a worry I have. Yeah, wait till they join, uh, uh, arrive in Atlanta and see how they feel then. That's going to change a lot of things. If they take anything from those two away oh, games, yeah. then, then, then it's over then again. We're definitely done <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, last two games we'll just quickly go through. LAFC and the New York Revs. Sorry, New England Revs. I've moved them. I'm doing my I'm doing my Columbus. Yeah. 1-1. Two points dropped for, for LA, which doesn't affect us too much, really. But they are unbeaten in five. Urena gave LA the lead. Brandon Bay tied it up. LAFC's I, third now. New England had a chance to win this, too. Oh, they, yeah. They, they, had, should, a, they yeah. had a number of chances they start to the win. second half, they should have taken the lead. Yeah. Seven ahead of us... I'd no. an absolute implosion. Yeah, I don't see them dropping away. at this point. And another team that's well away, and they're now top of the West, is SKC, who won 5 1 in San Jose. There was no fouls in the first half. That was one of the unusual stats. That sounds like a fun competitive game from I think, I think San Jose. San Jose was just like, <laughs> did they even get the ball? Maybe they were on a thing, no fouls. Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to do with Senegal. Didn't do and try to get that fair play trophy. KC rested some guys as well. Johnny Russell was on the bench. Yeah. Wando started. But didn't get a goal. No, it was Hussein scored for them. Yeah, and it was a it was a a breeze for KC. So I mean that's all we need to say. A couple of big midweek matches though are coming up with our Cascadian rivals. They're both at home though. Yep. Portland are hosting Columbus. I fancy Columbus in that one. Columbus, look what they did. They went to Dallas and they picked up a draw. Well, at least they even get a point. Yeah. yeah. And then Seattle are hosting Philly as well. But I. I 
As I, you said, we can forget about Seattle. No, but I but I do think that Philly has a chance to break that unbeaten. They, I know they lost to Montreal, but they are a team that you never know what's going to happen uh, with them. They can come in and they can surprise a lot of people. Just want to finish this section just by, by reading a tweet that we've got in from friend of the show, Greg Petrie. Uh, I've also got one here from Whitecap Scarf. He says, we talked in the first part about it's the players on the pitch. He says, it is the players when they are in the field, like we said. But the mistakes this Whitecaps team makes are the same mistakes season after season. It's on Robbo and the coaching staff. Robbo wants them to play the way that they play. He says Robbo needs to go, and he has has felt like that for a while. And a, a, tweet from Greg, a tweet from Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World says, if it's basically six cup games now, I look forward to Robinson playing for three scoreless draws at home and getting embarrassed on the road. Oh, that's, that's the scary part about that. <laughs> you saying that right there. So there's a good way to end that. And we'll be back with my favourite part of the show, Wavelength, but don't turn off after this. Hi, I'm Jordan Much, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. That's what the Whitecaps need to do for the last six games of this season. Oh, for sure. That was Bat Metal Forever. Yeah. It's actually a song by a group. I can't remember the name of the group. Do you recall? No. Okay. To, we should oh, find we'll that find out. that out later. But it's basically, um, I found this on YouTube a couple of years ago. There's actually a Bat Metal and then a Bat Metal, um, what was it, Returns, I think it is. Yeah. And and, and these, these are- Fun videos to go with it. The, the, this is basically music that was created by a group and then uh, these animators made it um, incorporated with a Batman. Um, and it, it, the original two songs weren't anything to do with Batman, but I think this one might have been because it was the popularity. So you can definitely search for it for that Batmetal, Batmetal Returns, Batmetal Forever. It's not safe for work. So do not watch this at work. Well. Do, do not watch this around kids. I'm, come on, I would man. watch it around kids. The people that I don't have so, kids. The, yeah, the, so you you wouldn't care. I would but watch if, it around your kids. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> I, I won't let them watch this yet. I'll watch it around Zach's kids. Then. <laughs> if you have, if you're, if you're a parent, do not let your kids watch this. Declan Deasy, that if 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 Joe wants me to babysit, Declan will be watching those. <laughs> it's cartoons, man. It's fun. Yeah, but what happens to those cartoon characters? <laughs> It's an education. Like SpongeBob does not take it well. No. Well, well, depends how you want to look at that. Anyway, <laughs> oh, let's just let's just move on. <laughs> you are listening to part five of the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, one hundred one point nine FM. Zach has just texted to say I'm not allowed around his kids. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that woke everyone up uh, just after eleven o'clock Sunday night, Monday morning. This will definitely wake you up. It's time for my favourite part of the show. It's wavelength time. And we're going back to 2009. 
kind of a Welsh band, kind of an English band, Los Campesinos. Who were they capped for? Well, they're all English, but they met at Cardiff University. Oh, okay. So they could probably play for Play both. for either one. Yeah. But the lead singer, Gareth Campesinos, is a, a big soccer fan. He's also a director of Welton FC, a non-league club as well. They have a lot of football references in their songs. We haven't really used them yet because the songs aren't really about football, but there is a lot of references in the songs. So when we run out of wavelength, we'll probably go with that. But this one is about that. I'm going to explain a little bit just before we play it because you might not make the lyrics out. It's about when he was 17 years old. He thought he was a good enough footballer that he could still play at international level, but not for England. So he thought if him and his girlfriend moved to Malta, they could get Maltese citizenship and make the Maltese national team. So this is his story about that. This is called Plan A. Campesinos there with Plan A. You may not have made the lyrics out. I'll just read you a bit from the second verse because I, I love this. I'm called up to the Maltese national team. My vision is impeccable. My first touch is obscene. A World Cup qualifier finds me 50, 40, 30 yards from goal. A late sub on in an off the striker role. Was it the wind? Did it take a bad deflection? Yeah. Anyway, I just love that. And, song. and uh, just to talk about the bat, bat metal, you're talking about lyrics. Um, it does have uh, captions, so you can understand what they're saying. If you're not a death metal, you can't call, usually follow it. We I should, can't. We should probably do captions though for all my wavelength songs. So maybe. Mm. Actually, Los Campesinos are coming to Vancouver on November first. It's their tenth anniversary tour. Saw them a couple of times here. Great show when I first moved here with UC Party. We say die, who we played in last week's show. I'm hoping to possibly try and grab a chat with the lead singer, Gareth, just to talk about all things football. But 
Whitecaps could be in the playoffs, I could be away, who knows where. So yeah, we'll have time to talk to Gareth. Anyway, now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, links, stories, articles and everything you could want from the world of football. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night, bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? Uh, quite a few things from different worlds, uh, different worlds of soccer. Different worlds? Yeah, different worlds, sorry. Wow, different I can't parts wait of, to hear about your anus. <laughs> different parts of the world. Um, uh, let's talk about, first of all, La Liga. There might be a strike action going on, mm. and it's because they're not the players aren't very happy about uh, playing them playing a game in the U.S., um, the Liga has gone into a 15-year contract with a U.S. company yeah. called Relevant to play at least one game. The first one will be in late January, a fixture between Barcelona and Girona. Um, I think they're both uh, uh, Catalan teams, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Um, uh, so the Spanish Football, uh, so, sorry, Spanish Association of Footballers, uh, the league's clubs nor the Spanish FA were consulted before La Liga, you know, planned that agreement. Um, so they're they're pretty unhappy about this. Now, if you think uh, this is because it is a Girona uh, home t- home game home match, the, the supporters from them have a pretty good deal. Uh, if they do want to at- attend, there's apparently fifteen hundred free flights to Miami to that for them. A choice of staying overnight for the or for the weekend, and or coming back straight after the match. Um, they'll be, if they don't want to do that, there's going to be, there will be 5,000 free tickets to away game against Barcelona at new camp and a 20% off their season tickets. Or if they don't want to do either of that, they'll just get 40% off their season tickets. Now, great deal for them. Players aren't happy though at all. No, I mean that, like, to be fair to Girona, that's a fantastic deal that they're offering. Mm. I would, like, if MLS decided to play a game in Spain and it was the Whitecaps, I wonder what the Whitecaps would would offer their season ticket packages. No, I don't know. Can More don- than 12%. Can donkeys cross the Atlantic if we put them on a little barge or something? I'm not sure. Mm. If only Zach was here, I'm sure he'd have some ideas. <laughs> Text in, Zach. I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, next news story. Uh, soccer fans clash with church members over Stadium Plaza. This happened in uh, Peru. Um, there is a, a church called the Upper Room. Uh, hundreds of members uh, wearing yellow construction helmets arrived in buses early one day and began painting the walls, uh, covering the images of famed players from uh, Alianza, Lima. One, well, you know, one of Peru's. Me for pronunciation. Yeah, they're one of Peru's most historic clubs. I've never heard of them, but I'm sure the Peru, Peruvian fans have. Once it's the, not about Paddington Bear. My knowledge of Peru <laughs> is nil. And Jordi Reina. The supporters of the club, uh, they arrived and they basically the two sides clashed. Yeah, and there is video of that on the on the online. Police had to use tear gas to break up the confrontation. Two uh, supporters were arrested. A, a number of uh, su- um, uh, church members were hospitalized. So you know they call uh, football a religion in South America, yes. and this and is in obviously the UK is. this yeah. is obviously a religious war in the in that case. And well, like. Folk know that Zach is a pastor. Yeah. You, we can picture Zach leading the religious folk against the Whitecaps, painting over pictures of Bob Leonard Doozy in the Whitecaps front office. Possibly. Definitely. Um, and the thing is also uh, the, the club has claimed that they own that plaza for 40 years and the 
the church has said they've owned it for, since 2016. So if they can prove that they've owned it for four years, that's an easy yeah. win for them, I guess. Talking about uh, Blast from the Past, uh, you talk about Bobby Leonard Doozy, a president played for his <laughs> national team. Yeah. His president, George Way, played for Liberia. Um, they were going to set to retire his f- number 14, but surprisingly, to unannounce to anybody, that, uh, media or uh, the people that were playing or, or even uh, the fans, he, he pl- started in the match. And he just didn't start and then come off within the first three minutes. He played 79 minutes at age 51. It had been f- 15 years since his last uh, pro match. 2-1 win to Nigeria, though. So they didn't win the game, but it was interesting to see there. And the same night... His son, yeah. yeah. His son ended up playing for America against Mexico. Yeah. I would love to see Donald Trump turn out for America in a US qualifier, a well, World Cup qualifier. Well, there were some Nigerian fans that were asking why didn't the Nigerian president play. I don't think he was a former footballer, so I don't think it's possible. But there was an article about that too. Justin Trudeau for Canada. That'll be the next thing. Him and one wing, Fonzie and Well, next. he's a boxer. He can box. Hmm. Well, he'd be a box-to-box guy then. Yeah, maybe. Um, Scottish FA agrees to buy uh, Hampden Park for five million pounds in 2020. Um, currently, Queens Park it owns. Yeah, they've always owned it. They've, and they've, well, Hampden beside it. Actually, it's a lease, isn't it, for Queens Park, or is it kind I of? I always thought they owned it. Oh well, it says when existing lease expires. Um, I what, guess it must be then. Yeah. What do you think of this? Is this a good thing for the Scottish FA to get this, or do you think there's other options for them? I always preferred them to go to Murrayfield. I know it's a rugby stadium. I just feel it's a much better stadium. It's got a bigger capacity. It's in Edinburgh. It's closer to where I lived. Yeah. It's got a better rail net- network because it's really hard to get to Hamden from the centre of Glasgow. Uh-huh. There's so m- it's in a residential area. It's not ideal. They only drew about 15,000 fans at Hamden for the last game against Albania. They won though. Yeah. The eagle didn't land. And I've done it right this week. Okay. If you're listening, Zach, I'm doing my ego and it's the proper way around. And you hit the mic, though. And I hit the mic, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it is the spiritual home. So in some ways, I like that. I I, I was indifferent, really, either way. I would have preferred Murrayfield. Just well, it was still, up, they might play in both. They could alternate back and forth. Just not a fan of Ouija's. Um... FIFA is set to clamp down on big clubs' player loan deals. Uh, what this is is FIFA is looking to limit the number of players sent out a loan by to eight, basically, uh, uh, pending agreements f- amongst FIFA and the European Clubs Association. Um, they also want to uh, have a max three players uh, being allowed to loan to a certain club at the same time. So you can't loan uh, a number of players, unless the players under 21 has been trained at the home club and has been under contract for an extended period of time. The teams that are mostly affected by this is Chelsea, Juventus, and Man City. They basically, what they want to do is they don't want all these teams just signing a whole bunch of players yeah, and then just loading out. Years. Yeah, which these three teams. I, yeah. and, so and I then, think this is great. And then loading out the three at a time max, that would affect Man City because Man City, uh, you know. And New, New York City FC. Yeah, exactly. New York City FC, they wouldn't be able to take more than three loanies. Uh, the Australian uh, club that Man City owns, I can't remember. I think it's Melbourne. Maybe Melbourne. They can't take more than three. So that's what they're looking at right now. That's They want to limit that. They don't want certain teams to just hoard all the players, basically, all the young players. No, totally in agreement with that. I think that's the thing they do. These big clubs, are, they just kill the lower leagues and then they sign these guys for really small amounts just now and it's always offering all sign-on deals or like selling on deals yeah. or to make a certain number of appearances. And so many of them don't 
and the clubs lose out. And then you kill the talent to have, too. Yeah, and they're, you're killing the, the player and you're the club that could have had him and used him. Yeah. It's like, if you want to sign a guy, let him stay at the club. Yeah. Don't just take him then loan to someone else. Uh, 2030 World Cup is going to get a little bit more competition it looks like right now England mm. is looking into it um, South America with I think it was uh, Uruguay, Uruguay Argentina and for me it there? has to go it was Uruguay and Argentina I think yeah. but for me it should go there because it's the, the 100th year of it it should be the final should be in Montevideo should be back in Uruguay well one country is that looking at considering it is Spain uh, they are looking to host it, and they will be doing a joint, possibly doing a joint bid with Portugal and our old friends Morocco as well. So that is a possibility. They are looking at the 2028 uh, Euros as well, uh, so that if they get that, then they might not go after the World Cup. I don't know what they're going to end up doing with the Euros, because 2020 is when they're playing it all over the, the continent. Well, I think by saying hosting the the one, they, I think they may play the final in that ah, country. So okay. I think that's what they're looking at by saying they're going to bid for it. Premier League uh, this weekend tested VAR in certain matches, four matches in total. Um, the testing actually didn't affect the play on the field. They were, it was kind of like ghost, like they were pretending to be uh, uh, going through the, simu- they were simulating it while the game was going on, but not actually discussing it with the referees on the field. So well, the that, four, that's what we had here before it went yeah. live. Yeah. So um, essentially out of the four games, only one call would have been overturned. Um, so that they were, they, they thought it was a success based on that. Hmm. Um, it was, a, it would have been a goal that was, uh, ruled offside, but would have been ruled onside and it would have counted the goal. So that's the only thing that would have affected it during those four games. Obviously, I don't think the eye gouging, uh, a part was, uh, involved in that. And let's talk about that. Yes. Um, why not? That was fun. There were a couple incidents, uh, on the pitch this week. And usually we talk about stuff off the pitch when we bring up news, uh, but, uh, one was the uh, uh, Robert Firmino getting eye gouged by I think who was it uh, Vertovin? Wait a second, man! I wish Zach was here. He would have told. Oh well, Zach's been fact checking us uh, as we do this. So while yeah. you're looking it up, he wants to point out it was Melbourne City FC as uh, New York City's Australian team. Okay. Uruguay, Argentina, Vertongen. and Paraguay. Vertongen. Yeah. Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay are the three teams that are wanting to do it. And he said that the front office would charge extra to go to a game in Spain. Extra as in meaning more than it would cost you to normally go there. <laughs> so Vertonghen was the player that uh, gouged out Firmino's eye. Uh, I don't think he got even a red card for that. I don't think, I'm not sure if he even got a foul. Um, and then today in Syria, Juventus's uh, Douglas Costa spat in Di Vincenzo's mouth. Mm. And it was, uh, I, now I, I'm not 100% sure if it was the mouth, but it was definitely directed towards that. And Who hasn't th- they done claimed. That, and I put, actually put out a poll saying which was worse, getting ga- eyes gouged out or getting spit in the mouth. And yeah, and like Joe said spin. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what the poll says. The poll to said, me, it's a clearly obvious answer, but come on. The poll was worse to get spit in the mouth than having your eyes gouged. <gasps> now, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that people are looking at it that Firmino's, because Firmino's eyes are fine. There was no damage to the eye itself. Yes. But there obviously is the potential for more damage to that than getting yeah. spit in the eye. If you lost your eye... You're blind and you can't see, and you're in a glass eye. <laughs> yeah. Someone spits in your mouth. Just wash your mouth out with some really strong. Well, it depends on what the, that person who you know. Well, yeah, if you had age or something, yeah. it'd be a little bit more complicated. But North American soccer uh, news right there. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, out of Mexico. Uh, speaking of not being one to spit in by this person, uh, Maradona. 
Hmm. Um, he's taking over a oh, club. Yeah, I wouldn't want him spitting in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he's taking over a club. Uh, he's coaching it uh, in the middle of Mexico's cartel. Heartland, basically in the, in the middle of their area. He's taking over uh, bottom-dwelling uh, Dorados um, in what some describe as a publicity stunt for the team. Um, I think and it's dangerous for him to be, for his own benefit, be in that area. I just, it's dangerous for anyone really to be it's, in an area no, like well, that. Well, for him, based on his, yeah. uh, uh, his uh, vices and yeah. everything. Wow, that's a strange one. Um, speaking of promotions. They're talking of strange teams. Speaking of promotions, USL side, Las Vegas, they brought llamas out. They've done other things. Yes. Uh, this weekend, they uh, dropped $5,000 in cash mm-hmm. on the field. On with, purpose as well. Yeah, on the, from, from a helicopter and uh, with other uh, fans trying to look, get the money while it's flying all over the place. See, I, I don't see why this was a big story because the Whitecaps dropped 750000 on Breck Shea. Yeah. Exactly. Not from a helicopter, though. No. Although people probably hoped that uh, Breck Shea. Oh, that could be... Like, we had shoot Joe Cannon out of a cannon. Yeah. Drop Breck Shea from a helicopter. I want to see FC Cincinnati do this, but with turkeys now. (laughs) Reliving WKRP. yeah. Tata Marino... Martino, sorry, uh, is going to make his decision on his future in the next 15 to 20 days. Apparently, he is... uh, Might be taking over the Colombian or Argentine uh, national sides. He has denied talking to either of the teams, but says negotiations have begun. But some sources say negotiations have begun. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that affects Atlanta if they do it. He says that he wants to make the decision soon before the playoffs, but you think that would affect the team if they knew their coach was going? Well, no. As long as he doesn't leave before the playoffs yeah, start, that's true. Which Good is point. not going to, but it, it's going to make them do it for the coach. Yeah, I mean, That's maybe. the big thing that Robo's... Yeah. All the players are coming out and say we want to do it for the coach. Stuart Kerr's tweeting about unity and yeah. the team, and so I mean it would make them want to send him off with a bang and and land the MLS Cup. Yeah, just actually a quick note um, uh, today in uh, American football in the NFL. Oh, don't spoil the Niners game. No, I, I won't. Watched it. Uh, one player actually retired at halftime without telling the players. Just left, got changed, and left at halftime. Really? Yeah, retired from football. What at, at, at halftime? Yeah. Was what a, was the game? It was Buffalo, and I don't know who Buffalo was. Uh, San Diego. Buffalo was playing San Diego. The Buffalo uh, defensive back just changed his clothes and left. Didn't say any word to any of the, his teammates or coaches or anything like that. Maybe wow. maybe they told he maybe told one or two guys, but he basically left. Um, last bit of news we have. Um, we talked about uh, CPL before, but um, the CPL uh, there is going to be a, a, a back-to-back uh, rivalry game. Al. Classical. Oh, classical. It's the second uh, one they've had. This is the yeah. youth one. Uh, this is FC Edmonton playing uh, Cavalry FC. Uh, they will be playing at uh, Spruce Meadows, actually the first match that will be played there, um, at on 3 p.m. on Saturday, September 29th. And then the return fixture is going to be a month later, October 20th, um, in Edmonton at, at Clark Stadium. So it's good to see that they're kind of ramping up towards the CPL with some of these games. I know Halifax played a game against yeah. a German side, so it's good to get a little bit of... Uh, a, a teasing out there for fans to come out and s- support the team. It'd be nice if Pacific FC maybe play some preseason friendlies on the mainland. I know yeah. it's an island team and it's n- they're not for the mainland, but it would be nice to maybe get a bit of interest in. Yeah, and I think once the tryouts here. happen, I think they'll probably have more players to choose from as well. Yeah, you did you did well getting through that. Not too many bad pronunciations this week. We should should touch though Don Garber when one of the things he was talking about is like. Fans in the league want to see Alfonso Davies, but they also want to see Kendall Watson. 
Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know who I he is, the... but I, I'm keen to see him as well. Yeah. Maybe he's thinking Matt Watson. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend with our 300th episode. Midweek, we're going to have episode 299. Joe, Nick, maybe Gideon will be previewing the big, big Dallas game. We've got some special stuff lined up for the 300th episode. Just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Remember, you can find Joe at JoeDZVan. Find Zach at ZacharyAM. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Instagram at AFTN Soccer and Facebook at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff on AFTN.ca. And until next week, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.